I heard you click territorial. Okay, territorial territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed? Breed is my four. <laughs> you're such a f- you're pee pee. You're pee pee. Hey, Drainy's in there, right? Drainy's in there. God, you're so predict- predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're, you're one dimensional. You're you're a fucking you're a piece of paper instead of like a. Why cube. though? But why? Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different album, and we break it down musically, lyrically, and uh, and usually it's a wild ride. So uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, my name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, go to all the social media. We're at Asinine Radio on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere, anywhere that any social media platform. That's what we're on. Um, dude, this this intro sucks. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think uh, to be honest, I think all of your intros are, are overall boring. It's just too much information. Uh, you gotta just whittle it I down know, to. Don't I be know. a fucking I, dickhead. It, Give us five stars. I notice some of you fucking knuckleheads out there giving not five stars. Like fuck off then if you're not gonna do it. Who cares? Just don't listen again, shit face. And then also just join the Discord, because that's where we argue the most, is on Discord. That's it. That's all yep. you need to say. That's it. That's all I need to say. That's all I need to say. So then uh what the what are we doing today, Jeff? Never mind. By Nirvana. All right, Jeff, what is your origin story with the Nirvanas? Go. Just MTV growing up. I mean, Smells Like Teen Spirit was was everywhere, still is everywhere. And K-Rock, like especially, K-Rock plays so, I don't know if they still do, they probably do, but damn, they played so much Nirvana all the time. Every every personality, whether it was was Stryker, Cat Corbett, or... Ronnie, anybody, fish. everybody yeah. played fucking Nirvana. The beginning of the shift and the end of the shift played Nirvana, something. In the middle, they played Deep Cuts Nirvana. So it's just like Nirvana just, that's like seeing what's your origin story with like fucking Zeppelin or something, you know what I mean? It's just, it just it was just there. It was there just before I even out. knew it. It's, I don't have like an origin story. It's just, I've heard Nirvana always, as far back okay. as I can remember. All right. All right. My, uh, my origin, yeah, I guess my origin, origin story is the same, um, hearing them on on local k-rock on the local radio k-rock mtv as well um and, and you know the last maybe 10 15 years it's funny because they they don't play teen spirit that much they mainly play in bloom come as god damn the fucking cat they they mainly play in bloom come as you are and uh heart-shaped box weirdly enough but they don't play teen spirit that often but uh but yeah no that's my origin story is it's the same as you but it wasn't until like seventh grade it wasn't until middle school where i really just kind of it just something clicked with me and i was i was fucking obsessed with nirvana and in every way and i still love this band to death but we'll get into that more but no that, that that's that's really my origin story um so i guess let's jump into nevermind uh let's give our initial thoughts on this record their second record like i said uh and then we'll we'll go from there we'll talk about teen spirit first since we already played it 
But uh, what are your what are your initial thoughts on Nevermind? Go. I uh, I've always I've always kind of held this to be just this this kind of like sellout pop record that was just kind of dumb that was like way way too produced and and didn't capture the essence of Nirvana very well because In Utero is so vastly different and Bleach is so vastly different. But uh, no, I don't I don't think so at all. I think now I think just the opposite after again reading so many things that kurt liked the outcome of this record he liked the way it sound he liked everything about it even though butch vig had to kind of like lie to him in certain spots about dubbing guitars and and vocals and tracks and things like that but still the outcome kurt loved this record until he didn't until it became popular until it blew up until it made him a millionaire then he didn't like it whatever don't care he's the artist he can do whatever the fuck he wants with his music but as 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 it came out, he liked it, and that's that's all I really have to go off of because it is a great record, and it's not just like a great record. It's because I don't know, Zeppelin Three is a great record. House of the Holy is a great record. This mm-hmm. is a uh, this is something that truly did like change the scope of music. This change smells like Teen Spirit culture. alone changed the scope of music forever. Things mm-hmm. were never different after that. Like again, like Zeppelin Three is a great record. Zeppelin One is a great record. Like these, these didn't change like the scope of music though, the way this did. It just didn't. Yeah. Van Halen won. Great record. Perfect record. Didn't change the scope of music. It's it's unbelievable how influential Nevermind was, is, and probably will forever be. And to think that that Kurt didn't like it when it came out is stupid because he loved it. I'm just repeating myself at this point, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I think this is this is what music needed. This is what music needed. It's 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 not wanky. It's it's the death to the hair metal. It's not self-indulgent, sexist, gropey rock stars, but mm-hmm. it's still really 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 pop. We're now focusing on melodies. And even Kurt says he doesn't give a shit about the lyrics and a lot of the lyrics like who gives a fuck about. I really didn't read that much into the lyrics because I felt that would have been really good. The homage to Kurt to not read into the lyrics at all. So I actually yeah. only, I only read into one of the lyrics and then everything else. I purposely did not look into them at all. I I think people, uh, people really put this band on a pedestal and lyric wise, because yeah, I, I agree with you. And he said too, the, the lyrics are completely secondary. Um, and he said, most of the people are wrong when they try to interpret it. And then you go on to, onto all these websites and like, this is what the song about. This is what this word means. This is what this line means. It's like, Dude, there's no way Kurt Cobain Mm-mm. put that much time and effort into these songs, especially when you look at how quickly they made all these records, yeah. how quickly they wrote all these songs. You know, with with just we're talking about Nevermind right now, he wouldn't write the lyrics until he recorded the song. You know, he would write them then and there. Like there, a lot of the shit wasn't very deep. In Utero is a little bit different because when we broke that broke down that record, I feel like he put that was the only time he ever put effort into the lyrics was on that record because there's some really cool stuff on there but reading all the stuff on nevermind and then you know seeing how this and bleach were made there's no fucking way he didn't have the time the money really i just don't think he gave a sh- he gave a shit that wasn't that wasn't his intention his intention was to write good pop songs songs that he liked to listen to that's all it was and that's why that's why bleach sounds like the melvins a little bit because he wanted to he wanted to sound like the melvins but so, like Bleach doesn't sound like the Melvins. Bleach I mean, sounds it, it, like a band, like a bunch of kids, because they're born in the late '60s. So really, they grew up in the mid to late '80s. Like that was their formative musical years. Was that era of music? 
mm-hmm. or uh, 70s, I mean. So like that was like the real formative of years. So they're seeing these bands that came out in the early 70s kind of get into their later lifestyles where they're already bigger than life. Zeppelin's already massive. They're already huge. And so then he really mm-hmm. saw the transition of music in the 80s, and that's what like pissed him off because we now went from this like bigger than life, like rock star persona, this this you know Robert Plant, Jimmy Page thing, where they are really, really talented at what they do, but they're kind of douchebags and they probably treat women like shit. But now we're getting to like Motley Crue, who they're not really that great at what they do. They treat women even worse. <laughs> and they're even more like machismo and, and horrible. And so he's seeing this like this transition in music. And so he says, I like what is happening here. I like the rock star persona. I like the bigger than life attitude. But why is it why, like why can't everybody enjoy this? Like why can't everybody enjoy Motley Crue? Why can't women come to these shows, even though they did in the droves? I don't know why anybody went to those Motley Crue shows, to be honest, but now Kurt is, is just thinking thinking in his mind where he thinks he's like, why can't why can't I do this but make it for everybody, and that's why like smells like Teen Spirit is one of the it's not it's my like seven B I think I listed it as okay nine B smells like Teen Spirit is my nine B it's my it's my six B my six yeah but like smells like Teen Spirit is like a top five song of all time easy yeah you you can't argue it and, and what I love time. what what makes this song so great as well I mean it was it was the Death nail to 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 uh, hair metal and and all that eighties eighties metal stuff, and what I love about it is how simple it is. It's four power chords. That's it, and it's not like this like crazy strumming pattern. It's a very simple, straightforward thing that he does, and that's all he plays through the whole song. Really, is that is that one riff minus like you know the the pre chorus. But otherwise, you know, it's the same fucking riff. The entire fucking song. The simplicity of it is is unreal. And how the song blew up. I think people were just so... I think what it was, was so, people were so tired of the indulgence of, of music. Like, everything was just so, you know, drugs, sex. It was just larger than life and everything like that. But this is like... This is just sad. Like, just sad music. You know what I mean? It's heavier. It's... People just wanted something the antithesis of 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 hair metal the antithesis of big they just wanted simple and and this just really struck a chord with everyone in the 80s was was a time of of like record companies these record labels like they they really made out in the 80s and for sure in the 90s but like the 80s is kind of like where we start to see these pop acts like madonna michael jackson whitney houston Mm -hmm. these massive pop acts are just bringing in raking in millions per year for these record labels and I didn't read too much into how much they made the artists themselves, but like it is, it is almost like common knowledge how much money record labels made in the eighties. That, that is where they got their foothold. That is why the nineties sucks so bad for artists was because of the eighties. Was because these mm-hmm. record labels took all of the money from these artists and all of the royalties and all of their rights. And so, yep. smells like Teen Spirit comes out, and it is like this anthem, this anthem for like, man, I'm fucking tired of all of this shit. I'm tired of the '80s synth-driven stuff. I'm tired of the overproduction quality of the '80s. I'm tired of all of these things that just is not rock music. And smells like Teen Spirit. The fucking name alone is a complete mistake, right? Just a a, a, a poor yeah. choice of words that 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 like the subjectivity of alone, right? Smells like Teen Spirit. Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. That's the lore that happened where. <laughs> Where the, yeah. the the his girlfriend Toby wrote something Toby, down. T- yeah. Teen Spirit is is a, a deodorant for for kids or something, 
And she wrote it as mm-hmm. a joke as it says that Kurt smelled like teen spirit. And the subjectivity of that alone, like that's a perfect example of how inspiration comes in so many different forms and is so incredibly subjected. If if that was never even written, if that stupid little joke was never even written, like who knows what could have happened, right? Like who knows the tra- trajectory of Nirvana? They could have made another bleach, but they wrote Smells Like Teen Spirit because Kurt thought like, oh, that's a really cool like teenage anthem for, for all the angst that I've been experiencing throughout the 80s. I want everyone yeah. to feel what I feel now. So here we go with this this teen anthem. That doesn't fucking mean a goddamn thing. Yeah, it just it's sounds such a, it's cool. Such a throw, the, the title is such a throwaway line. And he doesn't even say he, those words he never even says in the song. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's I so fucking it, throwaway. Yeah. I love that title. Smells like teen spirit. That is so fucking cool. And then and like you said, people just grasped grasped that concept and that that title and just made it the song of a jet really uh, the song of Je- of gen x for sure I mean, this is arguably the biggest song to come out of the 90s right i mean there's no song that's bigger than this i i don't no i don't think so and even when i say like this is the top five song of all time like that's a that's a no-brainer you could make a case for like a top three song of all time you really really yeah. could this is just in it just in how it how it impacted like you said it impacted it impacted the music scene, but also culture, because it, it think of the stylistic change, you know, in fashion, in what people are talking about, everything, everything in in American society. Well, not every. I mean, I I was very, we were very young, but it seems like everything changed drastically after you know hair metal died. People started to, it's almost like people started to become more mature and started to become more conscious of what was going on in in life, in their own lives, and other people's lives. It wasn't think, so just surface level. I think like like politics and I guess like what do you call it like social like popness like fashion music movies. I think things those things kind of like go opposites because the eighties was a very conservative time, right? Reagan dominated the eighties, and mm-hmm. so we're getting a lot of a lot of really like high tax cuts for the rich. The whole trickle down economic thing, the Reaganomics. So we're getting yeah. a very very conservative America, which kind of bred like the opposite for like the hair metal stuff. The hair metal stuff was very aggressively sexual, which is not conservative in any way. And yeah. so I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. Now with the nineties is coming along, I think Reagan stopped being president in the 89 or 88 or something late. 80s. And so now and then, and then it became like uh, uh democratic. It became more liberal, but then the music still was kind of like holding on to that, that rock star persona. But like, we still want rock music. We still need rock music because we love rock music. America loves rock music. The world loves rock music. But where do we mm-hmm. go? Where do we go from the rock music that we absolutely hated in the eighties, and people still hate it. people that people think they like the eighties rock music? They don't. They're 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 full yeah, of themselves. Nobody's. They're lying. Yeah, they, they don't like it. So like, where do we go from there? And the grunge scene was exploding. Right, Soundgarden was already doing stuff. A lot of these bands were already doing stuff. But they're not getting mainstream success. They're not selling a million copies the first couple months the record's dropping. They're making a living for themselves, but they're not they're not making mainstream success. Mm-hmm. And then like Nevermind drops. Nevermind drops and 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 they thought that maybe they would sell half a million copies within the first year. And we're talking dude, they're selling like a hundred thousand copies a week. Yeah, then, I know. Like, Isn't that Two hundred thousand copies a week. And then before they can even release like a single, before they can even release any like music videos or anything, they're selling so many copies and they just don't, they can't even keep up with it. 
it, it's it fucking it's absolutely bonkers. I never realized how fast this took off, and it took off because the people that were buying <laughs> this album, right, maybe fourteen years to to twenty two, twenty three, not quite twenty five. That's too old. But I think that mm-hmm. that's like the sweet spot, and those are the kids that are fucking sick and tired of that eighties shit, just sick of it. Yeah, and they wanted their own identity. That's what it was because it was still like you know. I, it was still the boomers, you know, the boomers were still living off the, the 70s and then kind of into the 80s as well. And then I think generation, the Gen X were just so disenfranchised, like they didn't know what to do. They were, that's why people have always said they've been like, they're like this like lethargic generation. They were so lost. And I feel like this is the first band to come along that made them feel something that made them feel good and different and separated them from their parents or separated them from, from, anybody older older than them and i it's it's crazy man it's crazy it, it paved it also paved the way for other musicians to make a living supposedly even though the record labels took most of their money but it, it created the illusion i guess of musicians being able to make a living even if you're not like a larger than live zeppelin or kiss or, or motley crew or poison any of these other bigger humongous bands you could still make a fucking living you could still be the goo goo dolls even though they sell millions yeah. of copies, but you could still like make a really good living doing this. You could still be a Harvey Danger, even a Marcy Playground, and still make <laughs> a pretty good living. Dude, I just I I love I really I, honestly I love this title. Smells like Teen Spirit is is like one of the coolest song names of all time. It's so cool. It is. It's it so is, it? it's so perfect. It's so perfect, and it's like complete mistaken identity misdirected mm-hmm. like it, it should have never existed had it not been for that one little stupid joke talk about like the butterfly effect right with ashton kutcher mm-hmm. fantastic movie but like the butterfly <laughs> effect 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 where if, you, if, if you're living under a fucking rock and you know what the butterfly effect is but like a butterfly flaps its wings in japan or something and causes a tsunami millions of miles millions of miles hundreds of miles away on a different coast like just you know cause and effect type of thing like that one little instance causes this cultural phenomenon, this this historic event in music. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. cool. Oh, and what I was going to say is the label originally wanted Lithium to be the first single and or like the first proper single. So they released this song to radio and everything like and everything like that. But then it, it blew up so quickly that they didn't even didn't even have a chance to throw out Lithium first as as a, as a lead single. <laughs> so I thought that's crazy, like how quickly this blew up. To where the label couldn't keep up, but mind you, they were under the label that they were on was DGC, which is technically a, a major label, but it wasn't like it wasn't Sony, it wasn't you know the big ones, you know. So I don't know. It's just I think that's super cool too that this the label was smaller that they blew up on. It wasn't a, a huge. What's a big label of the time? Atlantic. Atlantic, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it was a fairly small major yeah. label that that blew them up, and that probably pissed the fuck off all the other the other big labels. You just you're struggling here on your favorite band of I'm all time. Really, I'm really here. I'm really struggling right now. Whew, God damn, smells like Teen Spirit. This is my nine B. It's it sits that low for me. It's just I I get it. I get it because it is so popular, right? That's why it's so low for me too. I, I've heard this song a thousand fucking. Times. I think because it's not that great of a song. I I, I think it's just but it's it because is, it's 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 no, it's not. There's there's other songs on this album that are better, that are much better. It's just not that True. great of a song. I think I think when he hits those those two those ding ding, I don't really like those mm-hmm. two notes at all that much. I, I think it's but like what a, could you a, 
put there. Just that, that, exactly, exactly. It's like I don't know what else to do here, but I feel like we should do something. So let's just I'm gonna do this, and I think all together this song is is just fucking dope. But if you take out Dave Grohl's like intro drum part, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. Would this song even like be as great? Because that's the only reason why anybody listens to this song anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of the, the opening riff with just the clean guitar playing that riff and then Dave coming in and then it just it's the full band the full band thing it's the the quiet loud dynamic that when they were writing this song they were Kurt was kind of worried you know we're kind of ripping off the Pixies I feel like we're ripping off the Pixies a little bit because that's kind of what they're known for is that that dynamic thing of the soft and hard and um, and they were kind of criticized for that for kind of ripping off the Pixies but they just did it so goddamn well, and and Teen Spirit was a great example of it. The soft and hard. I mean, the song but, does rock. It's it's very like the Nirvana, right? Loud, quiet, loud, quiet thing that they got going on. But yeah. it's it's fine. I do wonder why Chris doesn't have a better bass part for this one. And I wonder if that was like a. I was I was trying to read anything about it, but I didn't find anything because the dude knows how to write like pretty cool little licks. He can he can do little flourishes and little slides and he can do cool shit from time to time. Yeah. But in this one it's just a doom 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 just that four notes. And I wonder if like Butch Vig is the one that tried to tell him to like tone it down to just groove because that's what like a pop song is. It could have been. I'd like to really hear a, a bit more explanation on that one. Cuz we've heard him been. do like like crazy shit before and in very small amounts of times on different songs and on this album. Yeah, that's true. He has some great fucking moments on this record, which we'll get into. We're not even into like our, our biggest bangers yet. Yeah. But I, but real quick before we move on to the lyrics and then out of this song, um, the chorus, man, that chorus hits so fucking hard. It does. With yeah. the main guitar riff comes in, and then the first line with the lights out, it's less dangerous. The way that Kurt sings that is is it's truly iconic. I think that is just as popular, if not more popular, than the main riff itself. I, I think the two lines here we are now entertain us after that is also just like, yeah, that one's, like, I mean, that's iconic too. It's just like, like this, oh dude, it's iconic because it's, it's iconic now. Right. But like when it came out, hearing this for the first time, I don't know. I, my panties probably fucking drop if I heard this for the first time in 1990 or the early nineties. I remember the way I remember exactly where I was at when, when it, this song clicked for me. I, I was, I was sitting in my room listening to K-Rock and that riff came on and I don't remember ever hearing that riff before and that came on and I I just had that you know that feeling like of something you've never heard in your entire life something that's so different and so unique that was that was me when I heard this song in seventh grade and I immediately asked my dad to take me to Best Buy to get this record and I bought <laughs> Nevermind like the next day I, I just re- because I, of that one riff I remember being f- I think I was 15 when I actually bought my first acoustic guitar and it wasn't given but i was at Mm -hmm. sam goody in cerritos and i had asked my mom to take me but she made me go to church first that was like the the (laughs) trade-off i didn't drive at the time so i had to go to church first and then uh, we went to sam goody and i was trying out guitars and then uh, i picked one out and i was trying to play this riff and the guy at sam Mm -hmm. goody was like that's really good dude but like like the, the the pattern's wrong 
And I said, what do you mean? Because I was going, just doing like that thing. Yeah. He's like, no, just check it out. He was really nice about it too. wasn't like yelling at me or nothing. He's like, check it out. And then show me how to actually do the thing. And that was like the first time I ever learned Chicka Chicka's actually. Was this song? Was was this song? And then like the guy who worked at Sam Goody, which I don't think Sam Goody's even a fucking store anymore. I don't think so. Sam I Ash, remember that one in Cerritos. Cerritos. It was Sam Ash. Sam oh yeah, Ash. Sam Ash. I, I know Sam where you're talking. I know where it was in Cerritos. I remember yeah. that store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sam Ash was was the uh, was the other guitar center. Sam yeah. Goody was like the other warehouse. Yes. Um, but no, yeah, this is, it, it's it's truly iconic. And and oh, another thing I wanted to mention about this song is I looked on Spotify. This has 1.5 billion streams just on Spotify. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's crazy. A song that came out in 1991 has that many hits on one streaming site. It's crazy cool. This is not This is not one of the songs that they had demoed prior to going to, because they recorded this record at Sound City in Van Nuys, California. Um, and they had done some demos with Butch Vig, who produced the record uh, at another studio. I believe it was in Wisconsin. I could be wrong, but it was in Wisconsin, I think. And But this Teen Spirit was not one of those, but Teen Spirit was a song that was written just like a week before they went into sound, the iconic Sound City studio to record. So this is like a last minute song that was written. And also, this is the only song on the record outside of the hidden track that gives songwriting credits to the whole band yeah. of of Kurt, Chris, and uh, Dave. So I thought that was pretty cool too. The whole story, how you know he brought in the riff and then they kind of built around it. I just, it's so cool that their most iconic song, it was a full band you know, has a has as the full band as the songwriter. So yeah, and I I I didn't feel I, I put this on pretty goddamn loud this week too, like pretty fucking almost almost maxed out my speakers. Just this record, actually mm-hmm. all three of the all four of the records I listened to, and uh, it is goofy and it is overplayed and it is kind of like childish and it is old and he, there's a lot of like negative things to say about it. Then you put it on, it's like, wow, man, this is a good fucking song, dude. This is a good fucking song. I'll tell you that when much. it, uh, when when Kurt's guitar comes in, that that just that riff, man, the clean riff. It it gets me so pumped. It gets me so goddamn pumped. Um, another thing too, just real quick, Butch Vig has said that Kurt generally refused to to do more than like three or four vocal takes because he just wanted it to be done. He just thought fussing over it was just not worth it. It didn't give it like an organic feel or sound. So he Butch would have to um to kind of trick him saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I that recording got messed up. You got to do it again. It just it did it the tape the tape cut out or whatever. So he would trick Kurt into doing more vocal takes. It's called lying. <laughs> yeah, he would lie to Kurt to do it. Um, yeah. you know, on Teen yeah. Spirit, he uh, he only Kurt only did three vocal takes, and I think they ended up using the the second take as the master take, which I thought was was it's fucking cool, man. Just just how kind of stripped down this record actually is, and then how enormous it is on a cultural level. Do we have anything else on this? Oh, we didn't touch on the lyrics. What did, what do you have on the lyrics? Because I don't I don't I don't care. I I, I don't I think I think these lyrics. Again, I, there's only one song that I looked in the lyrics. Everything else, I just didn't care. I didn't care. I, I thought it was not in the the vein of Nirvana. Much like how Posty and them wore those uh, those moos during their performance. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought a good way to honor the tradition would be to not even fuck with the lyrics. Should I not even talk about them then? I honestly did. I there's only one song I looked in the lyrics just because I was curious. Okay, 
I mean, we don't really have to touch. But you upon can too if much. you if you did the work, you can do well, it. If you have anything I, I crazy did. that you to say, then do it. Absolutely. I think I think people really overanalyze this band or overanalyze this record, especially. I think people claim that this song is about. Um, it's like his commentary, ironic commentary on, you know, party culture and just culture in general. Um, just how everything is very, very superficial and surface level and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't get that at all when I was reading the lyrics. I felt like this song is about using drugs to cope with his own insecurities and depression. And when you read every verse in pre-chorus and chorus just shows that it, it, it just shows how just how insecure as a, of a person that he was. And I think what other people have been saying is just stupid. I think people are wrong. People are, they really overanalyze this fucking record and this band. I will, I will say too, annoying. like a lot of the lyrics when I was reading them, I, I fucking no idea what he was saying. until I read <laughs> those were, lyrics. There were two songs where I, I just, I couldn't figure out the lyrics. They were just like nonsensical. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What? I think I think he just does like a lot of opposites. I think he says I think he thinks when he writes lyrics like this sounds good. What is like the opposite of this line that I could write? So like the sun comes up in the morning, then the next line would be like the moon goes down at night. Like those kind of opposite things. I think he likes to yeah. do those a lot. And then he likes to just rhyme cool shit together. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. A very like stream of consciousness poetic thing to do. I don't think mm-hmm. they really mean anything individually, but I think overall the song means something. And I think this is like his attempt at writing something for the masses. I think this is, like you said, the Pixie thing. I think this was him trying to write a pop song for the masses that people could rally behind, that people could feel like inclusive about, that people would love and dance to. And there's no fucking way. Like it's just, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to write something like this and then have it blow up <laughs> so fast, so massively. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 9B, though. Pretty fucking 9B. Nice. All right, it's my 6B. All right, so what is your, uh, what's your 1B? Biggest banger on Is it really in bloom? No way. I swear, dude, in bloom is my 1B. Oh, my God. It's so good. Because of the drums, the chicka chickas. What is it? It's it's insane. Like like there are songs that just instantly get me hyper. Like I just get hyperactive. Like my 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 high school me self comes out where I want to like jump off of shit and do dumb stuff. Comes out instantly. In Bloom is one of those songs. It just it gets me <laughs> wow. so fucking hyper. And this is a good example of a song that has a drum melody. There's something here. There's something to grab a hold of, and it's memorable. Girl smacks those fucking toms so hard. It's so great. And then yeah. also, this is another an example of how good of drummer Chad was, because Grohl says that he stayed very, very close to the beat that Chad had already worked out, that he already wrote out. Grohl's yeah. beat is very, very much like Chad. So I love Grohl's stuff, but that's also Chad's stuff, brother. So well, God damn, dude, again, Chad Channing, dumb name, great drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the, um, the alternate video, the alternate version of this video? Though were those the last ones you sent? Uh, it was it was <clears throat> it was on the with the lights out uh, DVD. It was in that, but Nirvana on the Nirvana YouTube channel, it actually has the alternate version, and uh, and Chad Channing is on in that video, and it is the Chad Channing version of the song, and it is different. Um, but really, the difference like in the drumming between Chad and Dave's versions 
they're pretty much identical outside of like a couple fills that Dave adds to it. Otherwise, it's the same song, drum wise. Um, except like you said, Dave fucking hits those drums so goddamn hard, and you really hear it. It compared to the Chad's version and Dave's version, you could really, really hear the difference in that. And I think, but the overall song is 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 the same. I, I was trying to watch like this other guy who was really pretentious and annoying about like like sound decay in the studio, and and when drummers are hitting things like light and getting a good pop off of it, you're getting like more of a decay or more of like a like a resonance. There's there's more there's more noise after the sticks are releasing from the drums as opposed to hitting it hard. Cause when you're hitting it harder, the drums are staying on the drum head longer, right? Yeah, Cause you're hitting yeah. it harder. So there's not as much decay. So it is actually kind of crispier overall, okay. but it doesn't sound as crispy because when you're hitting it lighter like that, you're getting that, that pop right away, but then there's more decay afterwards. So when Grohl is doing it he's hitting it really, really, really hard, there's not, it's just, just one full sound. It's, yeah, one yeah, th- yeah. it's like a thud. Thud versus like a snap. <laughs> it fucking makes sense, though. So good. It is so good. It, so you wait, you you. Oh, fuck, you didn't see that video. I was hoping you'd watch it. I think I sent I, it to I, you separately. If you sent it to me, I watched it. I don't. I don't recall like explicitly. It was it, on it, but I mean, so so the 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 not the official, but the the one that everybody the video that everybody knows where you know they're kind of dressed properly and they're like in suits and then they're playing like on a fake TV show and everything. Oh, the music video. Yeah, the music video. Yeah. Did you watch the alternate version one? Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's the original version of In Bloom with Chad. I honestly on drums. didn't even know because he has long hair and he's a little skinny white yeah, kid. He looks just like Dave Grohl. <laughs> no, he, it's not Dave Grohl at all. I didn't it's even notice Dave that it wasn't all. Dave Grohl, honestly. Yeah, no, that was Chad. That was Chad in the video. But like the they're bootleg, both skinny the white kids at the video. time with long fucking black hair. Dude, they look that look like Dave Grohl. But Chad's like a shorter guy. He doesn't look that. But much he's like sitting that. down the fucking tall. They are when they're sitting down. They all look like they're two feet. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's the um. Yeah, I that's actually, the other video. I, I like the alternate one more than I did the uh, the actual one. The actual one was just it was ah. too cheesy. Oh, the video, not the song, right? Oh yeah, the the video, the song by one B. Yeah, that's true. I, okay, so in bloom is my eight B. That's silly. So I I mean I love this song. It's I, too poppy, I, too overproduced. What is it? I fucking love Go this ahead. song. Go ahead. I, what do you got? Don't don't be dumb. Say something. Say something. I what? Okay, so what? What I outside of Dave's drumming on this this song, I love Kurt's the way he sings the end of the verses leading into the um, into the chorus is great because in the verses you hear this build up. You know, he's singing like the beginning of the verse is is he's singing in a lower tone, lower register, and then it it gets higher and higher and higher, and it builds until the end of the verse, and then it goes the hey, and then. He he sings "Hey," and then Dave does that that drum roll, and then it's in this happy, uplifting thing during the the chorus. And I just I love that build up, that transition between the two parts, the verse and the chorus. I think it's fucking awesome. And this is just outside of what Dave plays because I think Dave is the 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 best part of this song. His drumming is the best part. It's that easily b- before the chorus, right? Like 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 the like this is one of the songs, and they do they have several songs on the album like this. But this is the song where 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 uh, like the chorus is so different than the verse. Like it's so fucking different. Yeah. The verses are are almost like compared to the chorus, like almost like throwaway. They're just filler. They just they just kind of like swing a little bit, kind of zombie like back and forth. And you get that mm-hmm. blast drum roll that leads into the chorus. And this chorus is so fucking catchy. It's so it is pretty. I mean, it says it's it so in, swingy in the chorus. too. It's so pretty. Yeah. It's so. 
it's so beautiful and it's it's so sarcastic and douchey and gatekeepy and fucking as an asshole <laughs> for writing it so good but who cares <laughs> oh man you know this this song is is fantastic i mean chris doesn't really shine too much on this one we haven't gotten to the he's point got, where he's, he's got cool bass lines though there's parts I, of this I, where he rides he the... rides dude he hits those real real high notes he's going all the way up mm. yeah i guess so this one's cool too because I was I was I was reading that Kurt Kurt used a a Mesa Boogie amp for the verses and then a Fender for the choruses and I've Bradley Noel sense. uses or used a, a Mesa Boogie for far long a long long time and one day I would like to buy one for myself but like the, those verses are very like verby but kind of very like uh like like that sublime kind of punk sound that's what they sound yeah, like it, they, they're I wouldn't say chuggier but they have more of a crunch yeah. the Mesa Boogies have more of a crunch and then you get into the Fender. Which is much airier, much lighter, and that's why you have. I mean, I, maybe that's another reason why the the chorus is like that because it, it the tone, the guitar tone, and everything on top of the vocal melody. So sick! It's, it's killer, man. It's did killer. You, did I, you I, read and then listen to the Lil Nas X song that supposedly ripped this off? I did not. So I apparently, not. like he wrote this song called Panini. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that God. that that he came out with and then the chorus in his song sounds kind of like this uh, the chorus mm-hmm. here the similar similar <laughs> God, not even so catchy not even like kind of close but like it's pretty similar and so everyone was like oh fuck yeah little Nas X covering Nirvana and he's like what like I'm not covering Nirvana I just wrote a song and so then does like, he know who Nirvana was no so what does he do he actually gives credit to Cobain because he said he he said it's close enough. I don't want to fuck with it. I'm gonna give him credit, and then Damn. listened to Nevermind and said he loved it and said that's the reason why he got into Nirvana. And I would say, Lil Nas X as like a musician, just dumb fucking music, throwaway yeah, music. I don't music. care. But the more I like read about him as a person, I love this kid. I think he's fucking cool. Everything I've I read about read him is about always him. cool. He's always fucking. Gotten- He's just always like defying shit and pissing people off and doing things that 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 make everyone think like, why the fuck are you doing this? Because I fucking want to. That's why. <laughs> little, little punker, but dumbass music. And the song sucked, dude. Don't listen to it. Yeah, what's the the country? What, what's what's the country song that he did? O- the Old country hip hop song. Yeah, dude, that song is garbage. Pure <laughs> garbage. Yeah, but it pissed <laughs> every, it pissed a lot of people off. I did. Yeah, it, it I, I love that it pissed off like the country, the pop country people because, you know. He's a hip hop guy, you know. They they don't they can't be in our our, you know, yeah scene or anything like that. I I just love how I do like that part of it, but yeah, that song is absolute garbage. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> All right, um, so we did talk about Teen Spirit already, obviously, um, but we didn't touch upon that video, which I don't really care to touch upon it. And I only bring that up now because you know we've already we've talked about the In Bloom video, and. Um, and I think out of all the videos from this um, this album, this is the best video. The alt or the regular one? Both of them, actually. I, I think they're the all best. Right. The best videos. I, I think Come As You Are is just a lame... It's just like a too artsy, fartsy kind of 90s <laughs> music video. Artsy, what are you, like and, 60 years old? <laughs> <laughs> and then Lithium is just like clips from their live performances. It's nothing special, really. So so I, I agree. I, I think I think like even though it's goofy and, and kind of sellout-ish, it does seem like they had a good time doing the, uh, the In Bloom video, the real one. The yeah. alternate one, I, I think that's so fucking cool. 
because it's very like bleach era very mm-hmm. 90s he's so fucking 90s and it's just goofy and, and like you see kurt's face like right in the middle a lot and he's smiling and kind of grinning and goofing off and like oh man that's cool like you guys and the had weird fun. like video effects too like the the filters on the video yeah just, just so, so it's time. so dumb dude just so yeah. dated yeah. But I will say that the video for Smell Like Teen Spirit, if that song was just any other song, if that song was fucking like lithium, like who gives a shit about that video? But because it smells like Teen Spirit, that's just, my God, that's an iconic video. Yeah. And it, because it's, it's of the, the song, sweater. Though. It's the sweater. It's the guitar, the, the Jaguar guitar. Yeah. Fender guitar. Um, it's just everything. And then Chris Novoselic, with, he's tall. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He has the, the bass is down to his fucking knees. And like, you know, everything so obnoxiously low. It's irritating. <laughs> yeah. And then Dave Grohl, you, you can't even see him because his hair is so long that it just covers his entire face. That's funny too, but In Bloom is because Chris cut his hair for the video for In Bloom and then liked mm-hmm. it and then kept it for like for a very long time. I think that's true. Yeah. This day. Even on even on In Utero, he, he didn't have very long hair. But then he went he's bald, like so he doesn't really have hair anymore, but but yeah, that's true, huh? Okay. Even What's your one B? Cut his hair too. Here we go. But What's your one B? Let's hear it. <sighs> Wait, oh, we, we're we're not going to do anything lyrically on In Bloom, right? Because we just kind of don't care. I mean, it, it's more so about like what the what the song is about as a whole, as opposed to like like uh, the individual parts. And this one pokes fun at like jocks and people who weren't a part of the scene until they got popular. Like this is like mm-hmm. their gatekeeping song, really. But this was in an okay. era when when people were a lot more mean. Actually, they're pretty fucking mean now. But at least, like, back in the 90s, people were mean to your face, not, like, online they are now. <laughs> That's true. That's true, too. <laughs> See, I for In Bloom, I, I got this. I feel like he's criticizing, like, hillbilly people and and it really culture in general and how kind of simplistic and animalistic people are. Um, uh, like, in the—I think it's in the chorus. I'm looking at it real quick. Uh, where is it? When he likes to shoot his gun. Yeah, when he likes to shoot his gun, like. So like they wrote this in the, in the second verse. It, he, in the second verse, he says, "We can have some more. Nature is a whore. Bruises on the fruit. Tender age and bloom." I feel like it's like he he's he's criticizing like the Midwest and like how people all they care about is just uh, not fucking girl young girls, but it's just like it's it's very much like uh like you know you get married young, you have kids young, you you just there's no there's no real culture the culture is just like animalistic it's not there's no art there's no anything like that like nobody really has like a like a personality and i feel like that's kind of what he's talking about in the song if that makes any fucking sense i just i i I cannot fucking believe this is so low on your banger list it's so stupid it's not though it's it's not low stupid it's my 8b it's my 8b this is this is to you. This is a worse song than "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and you hate Teen Spirit. <laughs> I love Teen Spirit. You're, I love every song. I I don't. Every song on this record is a banger. Oh, so this is a perfect record. Like I said earlier, well, you pretended like it wasn't. So I don't know about that. We don't know yet. But uh, my my the biggest banger on this record is "Lounge Act." Right now, for me, it's God, "Lounge Act." Dude. That's my one. Why beat. do you have to be like this person who? Has to go against the grain for the f- purpose of just going against the grain. I don't. Like, why I do don't. you gotta still I, wear your AFI t-shirts and and your your Tiger Army shirts and things? Like, why? 
just it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> where does this where does this sit as a banger for you? It's eleven B. Why though? Why do so, you hate this one? So, so first much? of all, first of all, this is I thought this was funny, but Kurt sounds older in the be- in the beginning of this song. He sounds older yeah. the way he sings. I was like, dude, who's singing this? Is this Kurt? No way. It's like a thirty five year old man. He does sing in like a lower a lower register on this one. But I think this song is I think this song is great. I really do. There's a lot of really cool like psych rock stuff going on. Chris's bass line, very fucking psych rock, dude. Fucking dope. Love it. And then Kurt's like screaming vocals, super great. They're amazing. But like one thing that really bothered me about this whole record, why even add that little production fade at the end of this song? That really bothered me. <laughs> why though? Because it just it's so unnecessary. That's just like that's literally overstepping your your boundaries as a producer. That's just saying, I'm going to do this because I think it's good. I don't give a fuck what the band thinks. I think this is good. I'm the producer. I'm gonna do what I want. And that really, really bothered me. <laughs> the very end. It's it's very it's a very like swell. No, I know what like, you're talking about. Like that organ shit you fucking gobble up from Enema era. Ugh. I love why it. Why you do it, dude? All all he's doing is like turning no, your the- role. He's just turning like the volume down. It's nothing crazy. Know your role. Stay in your lane. It's not your. It's not your fucking <sighs> band, Butch. Butch. So what? I, one thing I I love so much about this song is kind of how lazy Kurt is. How lazy he sounds in the verses, and then it just kind of builds and builds and builds, and then it comes back into um, what is it? I think it comes back into the verse, and he just like screams it. Or he comes yeah. back into one of the choruses and he just like screams it and you're like, whoa, like you don't expect it because you've just, there, there's, uh, it's not really a buildup. It's just, it's kind of a jarring thing that he does because you hear he one thing and then all scream. of a sudden he goes, scream. Because what? He has a good scream. It, it, it's not a scream like in the sense of like Chester screamed yeah. or like that's a good fucking scream. Kurt screams like. Like somebody who's just frustrated and they don't know what else to say, so they just scream because they're so fucking frustrated. And that's the type of scream Kurt had, and that, yeah. that's that's cool because we don't you don't hear that. That's that's an emotional scream. Yeah, and I love that. I, I love it so much, it, and it it really just shows. Like Chester, yeah, you bring it up, Chester. He is a great singer, a great screamer, but it it sounds forced. It doesn't sound like it's. Uh, it's just placed there because it's supposed to be there. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like Kurt, yeah, Kurt, and then, you know, Jonathan Davis from Corn. I know you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but they didn't scream just for the sake of it. They, it was placed there for a reason because whether it's the lyrics or the music or something, it, it's, it's appropriate. It sounds natural. It sounds normal. But, uh, sure. Yeah. That... <laughs> Are you ready? Well, not that part. I, I was talking more like on songs like some of the songs on Life is Peachy and then the song Daddy and, and stuff like oh, that. Dude, Dad, Daddy, I have, I have a love-hate relationship with. Sometimes that song is so fucking stupid. But it's so good. Ugh, it's just like, shut the fuck up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but then sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, that was an emotional roller coaster and I love it. <laughs> it really is, man. It, but sometimes, oh, sometimes I fucking hate it. Sometimes I think it's just the dumbest thing ever. And I don't want to hear your problems, bro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, but so, so in lounge act, you didn't like the, the opening with the baseline or anything. That's a pretty cool baseline. I'm, I'm saying Chris's baseline and overall in this is very psych rock. This is throwing back to like, like, uh, their cover of love buzz. That's, that's shocking. Yeah, blue. Great. That's, that's the band that sings that song. Venus. I'm your Venus. I'm your oh, fire. That song is so bad. Ah, ah. You only know the banana rammer version. You don't know the fucking, <laughs> you don't know the, 
the shocking. Oh, that's version. right. We we did have a fight about that once. I because I, I have that. them on the vinyls because that's a fucking killer killer band. They also sing that song. Send me a postcard. Send me a postcard, darling. So good. But anyway, I don't know these guys know. these guys listen to psychedelic rock. These are these are kids that grew up yeah. listening to a lot of different music that again put it together in this 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 cauldron and came out with like this. Never mind. Never mind is just a better bleach, a, a more concise, a more refined bleach. And yes, I do like that bass line because it is psych rock. It is very bleach sounding. It is very mm-hmm. early Nirvana sounding. It is like the beginnings. This is where this is where like they're they're their inspirations kind of come through in their in their playing and chris like rips it up i fucking absolutely love his bass lines yeah i mean yeah this is i think this and uh this ter- territorial pissings and drain you are probably his best at least my favorite bass bass lines on on the entire record but what i wanted to talk about in lounge act is is the guitar riff the main guitar riff um it's a very punk driven riff but it's played very slowly it, it it just has that I don't even know what it's called. It's not they're not chicka chickas. They're just kind of like a, this lazy kind of um lazy kind of just patterns that he plays. It's just I I can't I can't explain it. But it's a very punk driven song, but it's played like at half speed. It's really, really weird. I I like how overall lazy this album is too. How lazy Nirvana plays in general. Yeah. I like that. They, the only thing I mean I I like that too, but the way this this album sounds like overall, like with just how polished it sounds, you don't hear that laziness as much because of it. Like you it's hear not it on even Utero, that it's, it's not even like fucking. It's not some like like Madonna, like a virgin pop thing that's super polished. It's not even that polished. There's a lot of things on True. it that sound like shit. I think I'm just saying that comparing it to in Utero and Bleach, which because just it, sounds because so Because in Utero is like purposefully insane. raw and that's uh it's annoying. It even annoys me even more now. And Bleach is, is unpolished because they just weren't as good. They and they had it was six it took it was six hundred bucks to record the record. Yeah it was six hundred bucks <laughs> what you do is six hundred bucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, so I'm gonna play a little bit of Lounge Act. We'll get into it a little bit more and then um, move on. So here um Okay, so here is Lounge Act from the Nirvanas. Dude, it gets me every fucking time, man. The, the, when he when he transitions into that screaming part, because he screams the chorus and then he screams the verse after it. It's uh, God, it's so good. As your one B though, as yeah, your one B. Yeah, and and you know, like we were talking about, Chris Chris's playing is awesome. It, I mean, not just that intro bass line. It's during the verses, it, it, I wouldn't say it's squirrely necessarily, but he has some great shit going on there. It's, oh man, this song is unreal. If it's really catchy five, too. If your top five consists of uh, stay away, territorial pissings, and breathe, I'm done. I'm, I'm blogging off. We're done. That's it for the <laughs> night. That's it. We're done. Buckle up, baby boy. Because that is so fucking basic. That is so basic. Oh my God, you're it's so It's so basic. <laughs> What's your 2B? What do you got? What's your 2B? I'm vastly more curious than what your 2B is. I want to know what your 2B is. That's how we do this. That's the oh, order. My 2B is drain you. Oh, it is? Okay. My 2B is stay away. Okay. This for the, but, I, want keep, I want to keep going here. I want to keep going. What's your 3B? Gonna, why are we doing this? Because you're so fucking predictable and pathetic. That's what it is. <laughs> no. You're so predictable. You're pee-pee. <laughs> Predictable, and pathetic. You're pee pee. 
<laughs> so my 2B, like I said, is stay away. My 3B is drain you. I love drain you. Oh, you fuck face. Okay. You just changed right now. I heard you clicking. I did not. I heard you clicking. Territorial, okay. Territorial, territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed? Breed is my four. <laughs> you're such a, f- you're pee pee. You're pee pee. I don't but know hey, Draney's in there, right? Draney's in there. God, you're so predict- predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're, you're one dimensional. You're you're a fucking you're a piece of paper instead of like a. Why cube. though? But why? why? Why are you a piece of paper? Because you're predictable. No. All those songs are very very similar. All those songs are just they're not, basically though. the punk songs of the album. You essentially just chose they're the faster punk songs song. of the albums, but they're the still albums. unique to each other. No, no, they're not. That's wrong. That's wrong. No. <laughs> so, okay, let's get into Drain You, since this is your 2B. What do you got? Uh, then do, do, do. That's, the, so <laughs> that's the only part I hate is that it starts out with I Kurt, love Kurt that singing. part. Because, again, fuck you. I sound like shit. I don't care. I'm going to do it. And Kurt loved this song. Dude. He loved to play this song. That's yeah, like they played this all the time. One of his most favorite songs. God damn, yep. this song is so good. There's so much like subtle strain in his vocals. like Like, during the verses... There's a lot of like strain there. There's a lot of parts that he just can't mm-hmm. really quite sing this song that well. And I love I love when the verses like are catchy. I love when the verses are the catchy parts and the choruses just serve the verses because it's so opposite of what we're used to in pop music, right? Like the verses serve the chorus. But now this is a song where the verses are so much better than the chorus. The choruses are they're fine. It's whatever. But let's yeah. get back into the verse, baby. Let's get back into the verse. Dude, in this bridge, <laughs> right? Oh my God! His friend of the pod Skip mentioned here it is Sabbath like, and he's mentioned mm-hmm. like Electric Funeral that that bridge part Electric Funeral. This is very Sabbath like. This is us like we just wrote this really cute pop song. We just wrote this really great verse. How can we fuck it up? And that's what they did <laughs> in this bridge here. How can we screw this up? How can we make this like like not accessible to the masses because it's not what we do as a band? And then they did it. They did, and they you know with. It, to the point where like it has all those the weird sounds the rubber ducky and the rubber duck and everything it's just it it's kind of cheesy but it's so good and then it goes back into him screaming and back into that that happy chorus or the happy verses that's my favorite part of the album is mm-hmm. when the instrumentality or the instrumental melody instrumentality instrumentality that's a good word instrumentality the instrumental <laughs> melody hits before the third verse kicks in when it's just a din in yeah. and then they come in like that's that part alone right there that's that's uh, that's god tier dude that's s tier if we're doing the yeah. rpg system there that's s tier <laughs> and then let's talk about um dave's drumming too it's it's very swingy it's very um unique he has some really great parts great transitions between the verses and the choruses i i think his drumming his drumming and Kurt's um, melodies in the verses are the highlights of the song. Absolutely, the highlights. He's got some. He's got some weird parts too. Like, like the, he double taps the snare in a spot that's kind of hard to like, like catch on to. And, yeah. and like as I listen to these, they're so fucking catchy. Like I just can't help but like air drum to them. And it oh, takes it's so like, fun. It takes a good minute for me to catch on where he's double tapping that snare because it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit quirky. It's not a conventional double tap to lead into like the 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 third beat or, or things like that. It's a little bit weird. And, and it is. I like that. I like that. 
And this I is know, the that's one that makes him so unique as a drummer. This is the one that, that earlier you said too that like Butch had to sneak in guitar dubs because Kurt didn't want to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but which leads to more of the end product being something Kurt loved because you know he would have heard so much about like, fuck this. I can't believe Butch Fig did this. But like, no, dude, Kurt loved everything about this, even those overdubs and the guitars on Dranio. I, mean, what, I like another way that he he kind of tricked Kurt into doing more takes was by telling him, well, John Lennon did it. He did multiple takes on, on the Beatles songs. I, I love like he would try to like, I wouldn't say manipulate him, but he would he would just lie to him, straight up lie to him and trick him. I, I It's so fucking funny. Because he's like Kurt 25 is such a fucking baby. Old. Yeah, he's, he's a, a baby. baby. He's a junkie. He's 25. He's not what the yeah. fuck he wants. He's kind of like a, a <laughs> prissy little whiner. And you hired this big time producer, right? You hired this guy to do his fucking job. And but at this time, this week, he wasn't a big time producer, though. Really, he was still doing things. He was still getting he paid was, big but... bucks, though. He wasn't like yeah. like like S tier producer here, but he was still getting paid like big bucks here to do a job, a specific job. And Nick, yeah, he was do. He had already done stuff. He was already doing stuff. So whatever. But you hire this guy to do his job, and then after the fact, you kind of like shit on him for doing his job, and then. I don't know. It just, it just, it just looked, it just looked bad. It just yeah. looked bad. Going back into Butch Vig, isn't it fucking crazy? You know, he did, he did this Nevermind record, and then he went on and did Gish and uh, Siamese Dream. Gish was before like, just, this record. He did Gish before was it Gish? this one. Yeah. Oh, was it right before this? So like, I guess yeah, it was ninety one. Yeah, they're both ninety one. Yeah. But like after this is when he really like hit his hit his stride, obviously, and even like went yeah, on then, to work with yeah. the Foo Fighters, which is kind of cool. Yeah, he's, he's done a few of the records. He did the one in like 2012. I can't remember the name of it right now, but that was that was actually a really good one. That was a really good Foo Fighters yeah, record. I'm sure, <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yeah. it's funny because I was actually this week too. I listened to I listened to two Foo Fighters records. Their first one or Girls, I guess first record, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's all Girl. And then the one that Grohl said was his favorite, I can't remember the name was, but it's the one that has the the cover with the Foo Fighter tattoo on the back of the neck that has like Learn to Fly on it. Oh yeah, what is that one? Um, Everything Left to Lose or something? Something like that. I I think Grohl had said that was like his favorite thing that he's, that favorite Foo Fighter record that he's ever done. And I was like, oh, okay, let me me hear this one. Nah, boring, (laughs) fucking boring. Even like Learn to Fly, kind of a boring song. I don't like it. Yeah. It, it's the video that makes it. Yeah, the video. The song, the song is pretty mediocre. It's like um, the, the band OK Go. Great videos. OK songs. I forgot about that band. The treadmill yeah. band, right? That's yeah, the, the treadmill. Yeah, did all the crazy videos. What fucking song do they even have? It's funny because I I can't remember it, and then Tammy has brought it up before. And she's like, "Oh, it's this song," and then she'll sing it. I'm like, "Oh, I know that that song right now," but the off the hell? top of my head, I can't I can't remember what it is. I wonder what song because I know I've watched that treadmill video dozens of times because it was a really cool video. But you no would, you would recognize was. the song. You would instantly recognize it. The but I, I can't remember. It wasn't that great because I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's weird. It's a weird thing. Look at that. So let's uh let's play a little bit of Drain You, get more into it a little bit and then move on. So here it is from uh the Nirvanas. <laughs> it's it's Dave's drums, man. His playing on this song is just his beats are great. They're fantastic. But like I, we love Dave. We do. We love his drum beats. 
but come on, dude. These it's these melodies. The melodies on this album is what makes this album. And I know we can pretend. I know you can pretend. Like, stay away your favorite and territorial pissings and breed. <laughs> All the punk songs are my favorite. But like, fuck off, dude. You listen to this album. You listen to Nirvana <laughs> because of Kurt and his melodies and his basic fucking guitar playing. The fact that he can he can like Blink One Eighty Two his way into just playing basic power chords and create a melody with said power chords and then a better melody with his vocals on top of the already great melody he just created with his guitar. Don't even pretend like that's not what it is. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. And that is what's happening, <laughs> even though you pretend that's not what's happening. You're just, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm, I'm not wrong at fuck at all. I'm just I'm not I'm not lying to myself like you do and pretend oh my God, it's so irritating. <laughs> so what is, yeah, what? What, what does come as say? you are sit? Or, or, or where does come as you are sit? Come as you are sits as my 11B. That's my 10B. Okay, so we're kind of on the same page there. That one, that one's interesting. I really don't like that song that much, to be honest. <laughs> Wait, so so let, let, let we'll touch upon that, but let's wrap up. Um, let's wrap up. Train you real quick. Um, do you have anything lyrically on this one or no? I I, I think this is a good old fashioned like Nirvana love song. I really do, and I, I once over with the lyrics. I think that's what he's trying to kind of he's trying to to get you to feel is some type of love, maybe not specific between like a man and a woman or just like a like a love thing, but I think it's supposed to be like a love song. And that's what he had in mind when he wrote the lyrics. I, I kind of feel the same thing. I, I I think it's about being so in love and obsessed with this person that it eventually drains her and then she just wants to leave. Like he just exhaust her emotionally because he's just so overbearing and so obsessed. That's what I got on that one. I don't think it's I much deeper than that. This it's a great so fucking good. song, man. It's a great song. And did you see, um, like prior to them recording this, they, they had gone over, I guess like Kurt and Dave had gone to the, um, uh, who is it? The guy from the Melvins, the drummer, Dale Crow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dale Crover. Crover gone over to their house and they recorded, they, they formed a band, like a very, short-lived band uh for like four days and they re- ended up recording this song prior to nirvana the together band? i'll just say it's the retards <laughs> not 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 uh pc nowadays not appropriate but that was the name he of the said band that he said that kurt was like very into like forming bands just for like a week and yeah that was like the band that they they formed yeah that one day it, i never knew that buzz and, and kurt were actually kind of pretty damn close like, I, I didn't know they, i never knew that either like they didn't, they they knew each other for he was three years older. So when they met, like Buzz was was kind of like his his mentor essentially. Well, Buzz was the one who got who helped him um, find. Did he find help him find Dave Grohl? I think that's what it was, right? It was uh, it was Chris because Chris would show up to Chris? the to the okay. Melvin's practice, and he was like, "Hey, dude, like you should meet this kid, like Kurt, and like, hey, Kurt, you should meet Chris." Like, mm. And that was kind of it. That's right. That's what it was. Honestly, like I, I, I meant to make a note of it, and I looked it up, but I don't know how they met Dave Grohl. I think he was just in a different band or something. He was in Scream. He was in a band called a hardcore band called Scream. Not that and hard. what? Not that hard. What do you mean not that hard? They weren't that hard. They were a hardcore punk band. All right. From the I mean, yeah, they're fine. I, I don't really care for All that right. band, but but yeah, no, that that's how they 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 saw Scream play, and they really liked Dave's playing. So they so Chad had just left the band, and then they invited uh, Dave to audition, and then Dave went. Uh, story goes, Dave walked into the room and saw 
Kurt and Chris and were like, these are the guys that wrote Bleach? Like he didn't he couldn't believe like <laughs> how short how short Kurt was and how tall Chris was. And he's like, D- I he he said something along the lines like on the cover it makes them look like they're like these big lumberjack guys who make this crazy punk music and you see them in real life and you're just like It's true. He, it was almost like disappointing on the cover. Yeah, but Kurt was a short guy. I think he was like maybe five eight, five nine. Yeah. I mean, it that's wasn't not that short, but oh, it's not that short. But I mean, it yeah. For everybody out there, for Tyler's s- like six two or some fucking. I'm six one. Giant but, fuck. But you know, nature. When you when you see Kurt Cobain, you see him as this like larger than life person thing, you know. So it, you don't you expect him to be a tall guy? I guess I don't know. I think and it's. Then, uh, yeah. I mean, just off of the whole Dave Grohl thing, I, I watched I watched their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Dave spoke first. And like the first thing he kind of did was was tell people like, "Don't forget, guys! Like Nirvana had like three drummers prior to me. Yeah. When I came in, they were already a band. They'd already released a fantastic album." He said, "I would not be here," and then listed off like all the drummers. He said, yep. especially like Chad Channing, like huge shout out, man! Like you are the reason why I'm even here. Like you were a great drummer, and like that was fucking amazing. That was so cool that he did that. Did you read like the kind of like the backstory behind all that as well? The the with Chad the and, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No. Oh, like how Chad thought he was going to be invited. Well, he and then he wasn't was, invited. The Nirvana's management said that he 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 was reserved to go, like, and he was going to be inducted. And then, like, a week before the event, they pretty much said, "No, you're not going to be inducted. You're not invited anymore." And it was like a huge fuck you to him. But no, he was under the impression because they pretty much told him that he was going to be inducted and he should have been, you know, and and people have made a good point. You know, people who have done less in other bands have been inducted, you know, like, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, all the guys who have been inducted in that band, you know, the, Chad Channing did way more for Nirvana than some of the guys in the Chili Peppers. It, it, it's, it's definitely just like we're essentially inducting Nir- or the Nevermind iteration of Nirvana. That's True. what's happening. Yeah, yeah, and it's so unfair because Chad did. I mean, yeah, he did all of Bleach, but he also did a lot on, or he he did a lot for uh, Nevermind as well. He's just not credited for it, but he did do. He's a lot credited for on it. drums. He's credited on Polly. On Polly, but also you he's know what he did with drums in, on Polly. He's not credited on In Bloom, which he should be because he wrote that part. That that that's his drum part, you know. Yeah, and and no, some of I these agree. other songs were being played, you know two three years prior to never mind even being recorded which chad was on you know and on top of that you know look at incesticide yeah it's a compilation but you know chad's on a lot of those fucking songs so he the snub was it's pretty fucked up i mean well, but i mean that's the rock and roll hall of fame yeah that's the rock and roll hall of fame absolutely and then i was i was i was kind of like curious because i i was I Google a lot about like what did chris have to say after kurt died or what did like chad have to say or what did dave have to say and then after reading how close Buzz was with Kurt, I was like, what did Buzz have to say? Because really, he kind of knew Kurt longer and more intimately than anybody else because Kurt looked up to Buzz. Kurt didn't like look up to Chris in the same way. They were just bandmates. They were they friends. Read, yeah, they were they were friends, but they were just they were like bandmates. But like yeah. Chris, Kurt really looked up to Buzz. Like he wanted to be like him. He wanted to be the Melvins. And then the Melvins album Houdini, right? That 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 grunge album that they were going to do for Atlantic or they did for mm-hmm. Atlantic, but they, they wanted Kurt to produce the whole thing and he was too fucked up on heroin and they fired him. They got rid of him. They said, you can't do this anymore, dude. We can't, you can't be here, yeah. but they didn't like take it public because it's, that's nobody's business. 
And so then I, I kind of like looked up what Buzz had to say about Kurt's death, and it was like more sad than everybody else because he he felt like a son died almost. He felt like somebody like Buzz knew Kurt looked up to him. Buzz knew that. Yeah. And so when Kurt died, if he said it felt like a, like his son had died, he felt like somebody that looked up to him, somebody that admired him, and he said he felt like he let him down, and that was really sad. Because Dave yeah, still kind of really talks sad. about it and doesn't really talk about it that much. And he wrote, like, the, whatever memoir book he wrote in the past several years, I guess has a whole chapter devoted to it for the first time that he's ever really opened up about it. Um, but Dave came in late, man. Like, Dave only knew Kurt for a handful of years. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot because they're touring the world together and they're living together. But by that time, I mean, Dave really never did any, like, hard drugs and anything like that. Never discouraged Kurt from doing it the way Buzz did. Buzz tried to get Kurt off the drugs, so I don't know. That was really sad. If you want to go down a really sad rabbit hole, like look I haven't up gone down that. What Buzz had said about uh, about Kurt's death is really sad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's terrible. I mean, it makes sense though. It really does. And there's I, really, I mean, like, yeah, not I, like we shouldn't talk about it because that's not what we're doing on the pod. But mm-hmm. it's hard to talk about Nirvana without even mentioning bringing up that aspect of Nirvana, the band, True. because. As we, as we mentioned earlier before, like the hindsight 2020 thing, when somebody in a band dies, their earlier works are now like put under a microscope even more. Say, oh, look at mm-hmm. this part when he says, when I, I, I swear I don't have a gun, does that mean something? It's like, no, dude, this, none of this shit means fucking anything. Like that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. The biggest takeaway from Nirvana's lyrics is none of this shit means anything. It's all fucking <laughs> stupid. Listen to the melodies, the music, the drums, the guitar, the bass. The lyrics yeah. are fucking garbage. You know what's what I, I really I was thinking about it this week with Nirvana, they put out three records in four years, and they're considered one of the most popular influential bands of all time. Like that, they were. I mean, they were a band from eighty-seven to ninety-four, but they put out three records in four years, which is crazy. It, it's crazy how how much music they put out in that short amount of time, and how one how different they all sound from one another. And also how influential each of them are. How, 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 how influential ways. each of them are. Yeah, in different fucking ways. It's crazy, man. It's totally fucking crazy. But it's like we, like you don't think about that. You think as you think of Nirvana as like this band that was around for decades or or whatever because they're always being talked about constantly in the media on radio or wherever. You know, you're always reading about Nirvana or seeing the logo somewhere. So it feels like they're still around, but they were they were not around for very fucking long at all. No, it's insane. And but I could I could I could we could have a whole other podcast a podcast because I did look podcast. up a lot about podcast. I did I did look up a lot about Courtney Love too, and fuck man, my fire, my hatred for her is like reignited. Right, just, she's a pretty God, terrible person. She's the fucking worst. She she's that's all I'll say. Terrible. Don't want to get into it. It's just made me mad. So, <laughs> she is the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, Fuck she's pretty despicable. Her. Pretty Unreal. despicable. And then you know, like on because because we're still in grunge season. You know, we listened to that first whole record last week. That record fucking sucks. It, yeah. yeah, she's not. She's not great. Not good. No. Yeah. It's the fact shit. that she makes any any money from this whatsoever fucking irritates me. Yeah. All the lawsuits. Oh, dude, we're not even going to get into that shit. It's just going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> so let's All get right, into so your, yeah. your, your three B. We already. Well, I thought we were going to do come as you are. 
let's get into all the okay let's do come as you are yeah yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. Just, we won't we don't have to spend a lot of time we'll, on it but it was a big single a big song still is a big song so so what do you have on this one well it's it's arguably like their second biggest song of all time like come as you are that's yeah. is it though it's, it's the fucking the, the the logo for the stupid town that nobody gives a shit oh, about yeah. where Kurt was Aberdeen. from Aberdeen and that that riff I mean that's been it's uh, so oh god so many things rolling off my head here the fact that it was stolen from the Killing Joke and also the damn songs mm-hmm. it's it's the fucking progression dude. it's a chord progression it's it's a note progression who cares get yeah. over it who cares it's fine fuck off relax nobody's doing I do doing like anything. the I like the effects on on that guitar though. With that main riff, that doom 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 boom, just the 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 reverb on it is so nice. So the riff nice. is solid, but I think it's the most pop like song on the album. Something kind of like like lukewarm that is good in every way, but never gets great. Yeah, and that's what this song for me is. So much verb. The song also has a good swing to it, like like in bloom has a good swing to it, but this one doesn't feel as natural. Everything just kind of feels like. Like everything's just forced. Like the laid backness and Kurt's voice, it just sounds forced. It seems forced, and it this song is the only song on the record that seems like it's cookie cutter. Like, like they like it was almost like it feels like they they spliced it all together afterwards. Like it's different parts because the the chorus hits pretty hard, but it has that that big loud distorted guitars. The melody is there, but there's no like real transition between. I don't feel like there's a good transition between the verses and the choruses. Not like in other songs. In other songs, Dave absolutely kills it with his transitions. But "Come as You Are" is very minimal, but not yeah. in a good way. Yeah, exactly. I, I think everything's just kind of weak. But I don't know. It's it's, it's still fine. a great song, though. It's still it's, a fucking yeah. great song. Like I would never change this song. And 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 this one and uh, "Smell Like Teen Spirit" we jam to, just because they're so fun to play. And then we mm-hmm. can just transition between one or the other, and it's really fun. Um, but I do I do really really like the part where he, where Kurt jumps the gun on the part he says i don't have a gun yeah he says it too early and i guess that was like a mistake he did in studio and they left it on the ra- the album yeah that's that pretty rad butch fig was like yeah that sounds pretty fucking dope dude we should leave that on the album your mistake there see it's not all overproduced these are things that happen dude mm-hmm. yeah and that's a killer part that's like my favorite part of the song oh, it's so and good. this is one of the few songs on on the record that has like a not i wouldn't say a proper solo but one that actually stands out, even though he's just following the melody um, yeah, with the guitar. And he recorded that guitar solo in two takes, vocals in three takes. So just another example of like how minimalistic, how minimal, how little input was put into to actually making this record. Like it, it's just, I, it still blows my mind how popular this record is. And it, they just made it so haphazardly. I just I and it's again I just fantastic. I don't I the more I think about it I just don't think it's overproduced. I think yes, maybe there's 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 too many tracks, there's too many guitar tracks, maybe vocal tracks if that's what you think is overproduced, but otherwise like no, I think this is still just at its core I think, a bunch of kids writing a fucking ton of really really good songs. But like I was saying, I I it's not it's not like the overdubbing because there's very little of it. I to me it's always been the guitars. The guitars sound just they sound too clean even though yeah there's a lot of distortion and all that shit but they sound too clean but like i was saying earlier that's only because i'm comparing it to bleach and in utero which is not fair by any means it's not fair but that's all i have to go off. that's all i have to go off of are those two records so dude like this is this is a band that because they put out only three records 
all three of those records could have been done by a different band because yeah. they are they are so vastly different. And it's not even just like Bleach is so different than in utero, but like every every each album has its strengths and weaknesses that are vastly different than the other ones. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know, man. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah, and another thing we haven't really we haven't actually haven't touched upon it at all is is Dave Grohl's uh, background vocals. So kind of going back a little bit to In Bloom, um, Dave Grohl has a lot of in, not a lot of input, but he has a lot of uh, background vocals harmonizing with with Kurt. And I never really thought about it until a couple years ago. I, I saw I came across a video that Butch Vig did. Um, where he was breaking down this record and he played just the vocal takes of In Bloom during the chorus. And Kurt and Dave's vocals are perfect with one another. Because Dave, I guess when Dave was recording his parts, he was having a hard time hitting these higher notes. Because, I mean, he's a drummer. He's not a singer yet, you know? So he was having a hard time, but Bush, Bush, Bush. Butch, um really pushed him to to keep going keep trying and he did and when you hear those those isolated vocals with Kurt and Dave it's fucking solid it's really really good and then when you hear did you listen did you hear those at all or no you didn't send them to me i didn't know there was i, know, I, I, didn't know I totally existed. forgot you said, i know you sent I, me you sent me an hour and a half long of live at the paramount that i watched you told me to listen to this 4 hour box set <laughs> that i listened to but you didn't send me a 2 minute isolated vocal track what's I know. going on here what's, what's I, going on i was ju- i was just so excited about nirvana this week that i just <laughs> wanted to i just wanted to show you stuff that i know you've never heard or seen and i just i i love this band so much i just wanted you to hear what i've heard but um but no it's it's, it's really neat it's really neat hearing those those isolated takes together and god I, I just i can only imagine what it would have been like after in utero had kurt not died and like if dave and kurt hadn't made it more of a collaboration. It could have been really something really really fucking cool. Just just like like all speculative, right? Because all speculative, but I do I honestly uh-huh. do think that they were going in line with more more folk, maybe like more orchestral arrangements. I think they were going into more production with their next album because there is a lot of production going into in utero. There is a lot of things that they're doing. And then when you see the performance for the unplugged, those same like tricks that they're now using with guitars, now they have a live cellist. They have yeah multiple guitarists now. So I think their next album would have been, they would have hired studio musicians, they would have hired an orchestra, they'd have done a lot of things like that. It would have been a big, big production. Something along the lines of like Nirvana or Nevermind meets in utero with an orchestra and folk yeah, based. Could have. That's what I uh, think. It, so it many fucking been, things. Uh, but then I don't like thinking about that because it, it could have turned out really bad too. It could have turned out really bad, but it could have been like the greatest thing they've ever done because everything they did was yeah. like the greatest thing they've ever done. Uh, Except for Incesticide. Fifth best. God. Easy. The Easy. worst. So do we have anything else on Come As You Are? I mean, the video is... I mean, outside of the video, do we, do we have anything else on this? One? <laughs> the video is fine. This is, this is one of those it's videos stupid. where it's like, like, what can we do, man? Like, I don't know. Just add water, dim the lights. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. That's it. All right. Um, I don't care to talk about the lyrics on this one. I really don't. This is our. This is my eleven. This is your ten B. So, yeah, let's move on. Uh, what's another? What's your? What what B are we on? 
I don't know. Uh, I've not done 4B. I've not done 3. I've done 3B. Okay, what, what do you got for your 3B? Lithium. Really? As I say okay, lithium I right now, I, I feel like I have a lisp when I say lithium. <laughs> 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 lithium. <laughs> that would sound so weird. <laughs> I mean, it does yeah, a little bit. Lithium. Oh my god, I hate that word. This is the worst. This is the worst of the Kyle, right? With the lithium is the worst. <laughs> oh my god. Lithium. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I hate it. This this to me is a better attempt at succeeding in what come as you are try to do. Kurt singing is so fucking lazy here. Even with the big production pushing him to be more pop, he still mm-hmm. found a way to say like fuck off and just slur his words. He tapers off at the end of syllables. And just sounds like he doesn't give a shit. God, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. That's this is not like overproduced. It really isn't. This album is not overproduced in any way. I know, I know it's not. I know, I know. It, it's, I it's, do agree with you on that. And this is this is my big epiphany. Is, is I I've been the biggest like like hater of this album for so long because of its overproduction. No, there's much like Jerry Finn and in, in Enema of the State. God rest his soul. Too much, too much production. <laughs> but this isn't that case. This isn't that case. There are still instances here that this is Nirvana. This is Nirvana at its essence. I love the guitar progression. Lots of notes, lots of noodles, mm-hmm. right? And just like, I don't know, keep it going in the chorus. That's dope. And yeah. to even have, even have a chorus without words, just screaming. That's so what I was going to say. Yeah. The chorus is just him screaming, yeah. That's all it is. And and that that kind of, I feel like that, that reinforces our theory that his lyrics aren't really about anything. I mean, he's writing the entire hook, the chorus with just yes. And that's it. That's it. That's all. I I love it. I, I really, really love it. And the, um, I do love how just tired and lazy he sounds in the verses. And I love Dave's transition from the verse into that chorus. It's just a simple, simple beat just into it, but it's, it works so well. Um, I love the interplay in the verses between Chris and um, Kurt's playing. It just sounds it just sounds great. The bridge is fantastic too. Oh man, dude, it, this is this is truly a great song. What what, what B is this for you? Probably like twelve B, thirteen B. <laughs> it's my it's my ten B. That's okay. Just so like what what you did was just choose singles, and then besides drain you, and then make them your low Bs is what's happened. Oh, and then you chose gosh. the punk songs and made them your top Bs. Got you know it. what? Let's see if this. Let, let's see get if back, this. Uh, this. This. Get back to me in like twenty years after you've listened to this record a thousand times. Let's see if this. Then this I'm sure your. I'm sure your. Happens all the time. Bangers will change because it does happen. I'm sure your time. bangers will change. <laughs> I love all these songs. I love that part so good. <laughs> Dude, post chorus Chris in this on lithium. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. that. Lithium. It's so fucking rad. He's scaling up and down the bass and keeping it really interesting. And this is mm-hmm. and this is the fifth track on the, on the album. So we're hearing him kind of do Bleach era stuff, the stuff that he did live. So that's it's good. It's good bass playing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think this is, uh, it's not his, I, it might be one of his best bass performances on the record. It's up there for he sure. He rips it up later too, like in the later pre-chorus bridge thing, the part. Like super squirrely yeah. and then has his own spot in the light before like everything else comes back in for like the last half of the song or last quarter of the song, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like he's on his own there. He's a killer bass player, man. Underrated. I would say a little bit underrated as well. Uh, I've not heard He doesn't any, do anything super. I, 
I, I, I, I, I, I. What if like a crazy Axel train Rose. over here? I, I. Oh, there oh. you're right. That was Aussie, not <laughs> Axel. Yeah, it's crazy train. <laughs> Both annoying at that era. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would say he's underrated. I, I think, I think he's. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he's not talked about enough, to be honest. But like, which is underrated, but that's okay. But like, that's because it's like saying, oh, fucking. In the conversation of God and and Gandhi, you know, I can't think of a third person. Yeah, I don't know what you're getting at. God, dude. Because he's not <laughs> talked about enough because Kurt and Dave are so larger than life, musician-wise. Yeah. That's why he's That's not true. talked about enough. Of course he's not talked about enough because he's it's Kurt Co fucking Cobain. Dave Grohl, come on. Yeah, I, I get it. Dave Grohl's still turning heads to this day. That's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> with the Foo Fighters, fucking bonkers. With the Foo Fighters of all bands, you know? And I think I think uh. like I think it's important to note. I do think it's important to note that I think I think Kurt would be happy with how Dave has handled himself and and music and the Foo Fighters since like Nirvana stopped being a thing. Because Dave, yeah. even like what was like last year when he was on the flatbed truck playing music to like anti I guess pro-abortion, no, anti-abortion uh, churchgoers. Remember? And he was like, oh, the yeah, yeah. Truck. I remember like, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys should reconsider. And like, dude, come on. He's still doing this shit. Fucking 30 years, 40 years later, that Nirvana was playing anti-abortion rallies there for the, in Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. At free, free shows and stuff. Like, that's cool that Dave Grohl still does. That's cool that Dave Grohl, like, still... Like calls out like a person in a wheelchair in the crowd and says, "Hey, lift him up on stage and gives him a guitar and tells him to smash it and then throws him in the crowd to crowd serve." That's cool that these big bands still do this. Like Dave yeah. Grohl is the, the last true like rocker. Dave Grohl and Billy Joe Armstrong, the last true rockers. I will say. <laughs> well, calling it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Calling well, it. Calling well, it. But also with Dave Grohl, he's he's a person who in the limelight who nobody ever talks bad about. Everything is so positive about Dave Grohl. Even when he From, doesn't... Yeah. Because he doesn't like sign autographs outside of like specific times and areas. So when people approach him, like, hey, sign this. I don't sign autographs. Well, why not? And that video, he just runs away, just takes off. What? Yeah, there's there's a video of like Dave Grohl's like walking to or from his car and a group of people are like, hey, Grohl, Dave, like come here and talk to us. Hey, what's up, guys? And like, hey, sign this. He's like, I don't sign autographs. And like, well, why not? He says, because I only sign autographs in specific times because people scalp them and stuff. And oh, they ask him okay. another question. And he's like, uh, and then takes off running. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen that. <laughs> so good. God, he's just such like a people good. person. He's just so nice in like every aspect, so down to earth. He's just like the perfect rock star. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he's so fucking talented. He really is oh. talented. Oh. Hey. Oh. Hey. We know Nirvana. We know some good Foo Fighter songs. We know Dead Widow. We know Probot. We know Queens of the Stone Age. So you know, yeah, he's just really good at down. playing the drums. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's move on from Lithium. I, I'm I'm done. Unless That's you've fine. got anything no, else let's, on this let's, one, let's go to the punk songs now. Here we go. Oh my God, you're exhausting. Well, is that you're is exhausting? That not, should we not call them the punk songs because they're the punk songs, right? <laughs> Okay, so I guess we're going to get into the punk songs, as, as you say. So, yeah, my, my 2B, going back a little bit, my, my second banger on here is Stay Away. Why, don't you, why do you hate this song so this much? This is my 6B. 
God, this is a high you, B. Why, why are you bitching so much then? Because you're, you're I don't predictable and pathetic. You're a peepee. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's, predictable it's and pathetic. A, it's so it's so disrespectful and rude to say it that way. <laughs> you are you're a peepee. <laughs> Same. Uh, what I what I love most about this song is is, is Dave's drumming. It really it just starts out with that 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 drum roll builds 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 and builds, and his parts are really simple. They're very catchy. With this song, with Breed, with yeah, really this song and Breed are the two songs where. I feel like he's he's like, well, okay, yeah, they are. What, what, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with what's that. Wrong I'm just with saying, that? Okay. That's but you're acting you like something's wrong with it. That's what makes but you're you acting like something's wrong with it. But that's fine, because um, this is fun. But what I was gonna say is that I feel like it's it's his homage to Chad because Chad has that that kind of um, like kind of I don't want to say doo wop style to his playing, but he has a very kind of he has unique beats as well, and I feel like. Dave Dave is is just kind of trying to play like Chad or is playing like Chad on these two songs to kind of show like okay we're still kind of this Nirvana punk band from the Bleach era on Nevermind and he's playing these kind of like simple simple drum beats really during the during the choruses especially. No, I see it. I get it. I get. Do you? I I Do get you? it. No, well, no, I, the. Uh, it's the punk song. Come on. It's silly boy talk. The, I think it's the punk song. So why song. do you keep talking shit? Because I it's... I don't get it. Because it's like the more basic of the songs. It's still a really, really good song, but it's the more basic of the songs on this album. So when you choose these like basic punk songs, because punk at its core is pretty basic, they just think, yeah, I don't know. Eh, eh, but is it really eh. that different than than some of the other like slower songs, you know, where, you know, in the verse he, he's singing like, in a lower register he's kind of like doing this kind of lazy thing and then it it's it's even in this song it still has the soft and soft and loud dynamic it, it, the soft it, it and brings dynamic. it back to like like humans we enjoy melody we enjoy things that that are easy to listen to that are fun to listen to and just and to say that like territorial pissings and stay away and breed are on the same plane i'm on a plane as like drain you or or even come as you are and the come as you are is just instantaneously catchy and i will i will i will like admit that but like this is not no it's in it's inherent in us it's it's this subconscious thing that we that we do you're you're fighting nature nature versus nurture nature always wins always wins so <laughs> that's, that's what's happening here. But I do love Stay Away, man. This is my 6B. This song is so rad. It is. God, it's it so is. good. Dude, you rad bass line, the back and forth and the vocals. That is so fucking cool. Like the verse parts, the the whatever he's, what do you say in the, the verses? The monkey see, monkey do. I don't know. So, like that. Oh, so that, so that part, the I don't know why part, until this week, I never knew what he said. I didn't know what he fucking said. I, just, I, I, I would I, always just say, like, oh, no, no. I always like kind of do that thing. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> like even now I, I even now i don't hear i don't know why i i cannot hear it ah oh, man he he is so lazy with his vocals and i love too how butch vig has said multiple times that he just he purposely not purposely but just that's his style like he doesn't care what people hear he just is trying to sing something that sounds good to him like whether or not their actual words are coherent it makes no difference to him or made no difference to him I love that. I fucking love it. And I hate the people that try to overanalyze shit. Oh, like the um um oh, we uh, we should have brought this up during the in bloom part. 
but let's just go back to it real quick. So I came across this video a couple days ago about In Bloom, and it's some like some dude on YouTube where he's like he knows musical theory like through and through, and all he does is like break down these these pop songs like this or rock songs, and and breaks down like oh. So Kurt was inspired by this, by the doo-wop era of like 1963. And this, no. like he breaks it down like super, super, it's super complicated. And it's like, no. you're completely missing the fucking point. Like yeah. it, it's not this at all. And you're complete. It's a, like, it was like a four minute video and it was exhausting. I got halfway through it and I just, I'm like, this guy just is full of fucking shit. He, he can literally say anything. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it, was, it's, oh, it was so obnoxious. We do base like a lot of a lot of this this podcast on like overindulging in things that probably are not there, but like the essence of, of what is happening we we keep intact and, and Yeah. Like Nirvana especially, Kurt was was pretty was pretty adamant about lyrics not meaning a goddamn thing. And even like Dave Grohl, dude, like recently had said that yeah, dude, like Kurt was writing lyrics like five minutes before we fucking started recording them. Like he was just jotting down things that rhymed and doing as fast as possible just to get it done. doesn't mean shit. And not only that, but it's like when you see bands, like really any band, they, a vocalist goes in with like, uh, like sc- uh, scratch tracks. You know what I mean? Like he goes, they go in with just the, the melody, the idea, but with no lyrics. So they just make noises. Yeah. Like that's essentially what Kurt does. Exactly. It just <laughs> happens to be, instantaneously like iconic with the stupid fucking things he throws out <laughs> yeah. there like i hate come as you are but god the come as you are like no oh. <laughs> but no okay so back to stay away stay what, what do you have musically on this i love the way he screams stay away in the chorus it's so good dude chris ah. has like some great great parts throughout the song too his bass lines like accent the power chords to make them mm-hmm. seem more complicated than they actually are because we're just having a lot of power chords thrown out on this album, and that's fine, whatever, right? Like, right from the get-go, we hear power chords. Smell Like Teen Spirit, right from the get-go. The first thing you hear in this album is power chords, and we have a lot of them here. Mm-hmm. It gets kind of old, and this is the 10th This is the tenth track already. So now, now like, Chris is, is finally writing bass parts to make those power chords not seem so basic and stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's it's... They're not that complicated still, but it's he's trying. He's trying. And the ending of this is really rad when it's just Chris and then Dave double times kind of with the drum roll. Yeah. To end it. So sick. So sick. It is. Also, kind of jumping on the lyrics a little bit, the end of the song, the last line is, God is gay. God is gay. That's pretty controversial in 1991 to say something like that. Well, he grew up very religious, and then did, yeah. grew up very anti-religious, but then also kind of like, like when you grow up religious, you always have that, that in you that's like, yes, I'm not, I don't really believe in God anymore, but I still understand a lot of, of like the values of Catholicism or Christianity or whatever religion you're doing, you still hold mm-hmm. those values because that's how you grew up and, and, and they're, they're still like inherent inside of you. And so Kurt brought those, those later on brought those later on to his to his music um even though he wasn't religious there's a lot of religious themes he didn't disagree with religion he doesn't agree with it and and i don't know it's just weird like i think he's just trying to i think he's just trying to offend a little bit but not be not not be obnoxious about it really and not be like on the nose about it 
that makes sense? Like he's not writing a song. Like he's not the title of the song isn't "God Is Gay." He's just throwing it in, kind of like as a throwaway line. And that's something he probably... was spray painting years prior to this album. Anyway, he was tagging up fucking the the, the hard streets of Seattle or Aberdeen, <laughs> and he was tagging up "God Is Gay" for years prior to this. Anyway, but yeah, I think yeah. it's just shock value. It's shock value to get people talking. And I don't think he actually hates God, but I think he enjoys the concept of, of, I I think he's one of those guys that would like to talk to somebody who's really, really religious and hear their side of the story as much Mm -hmm. as he would like to talk to somebody who fucking hates God and hear their side of the story. I think he's a good, good middle ground guy was a good middle ground guy. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I don't think he hates God in the way like, like some of these like metal bands fucking, pretend to hate god in silly ways yeah all the the swedish death metal bands and shit yeah yeah i think it's all more right, of a, uh, a ploy should we uh should we play a little bit of stay away or do you want to move yeah. on what do you want to do your one day, how many dude. more songs do you want to talk about i want to talk about all of them except for endless nameless i don't really care yeah i mean i don't i don't care to i mean i like the song but it's a hidden track that's a that's that's my 13b <laughs> if you had a 13b yeah and that's that it. is a, that is my 13b as well um, I mean, uh, I'm kind of good to wrap it up. Uh, actually, there are two songs I think we should talk about, and that being Polly and territorial pissing, territorial pissings. Okay, I was thinking Polly and then something in the way, but we could well, no, Polly for sure. Then. No, let, let's do all three of those then. I'm not to do all three. Yeah, let's do one, two. There we go. Let's do it. Okay, so let's jump into Polly. So this one, it's pretty much just Kurt and an acoustic guitar. Um, the story behind it, both instrumentally and lyrically, I think is, is interesting. Um, it's something, especially lyrically. i I was very surprised about like that. He would write about it, but what do you, I don't know. Where do you want to start with this song? This is take the lead. I'm, this is I, like, I, I a, this is the, uh, the beginning stages of, of, of rape me, right? Like rape me is his song that he wrote to be this, this, this antithesis of what the, the title is. And it was lost. Mm-hmm. It was it was lost on on the on on the masses, and it was lost, and it kind of upset him. Polly was like the beginning of that. Polly was this this thing that was written about like this girl who was abducted and raped and tortured, and he wrote it from kind of like the the perspective of the of the of the rapist, but mm-hmm. in this way yeah. that was fucked up, man. It was bad and weird, and he hated the guy, and he, he thought it was horrible, and and I actually read about this guy too, and I don't want to. I, I, much like like the census fail song, like like why do the criminals get all the fame when like the victims don't get any fame? That was an old census fail song, so good. From uh, actually from Let It Unfold You, was it? I yeah. don't remember. Um, but if you read about this guy, he actually went to prison decades earlier for the same thing and was released eventually on parole, and then abducted some girl, fucking raped her, blow torched her. And then was arrested again and now still in prison. But it's just yeah. fucking insane. Whatever. That's a whole different topic. But Kurt wrote the song Polly from the perspective of him. And I think that shows, on the surface, it's kind of like, why the fuck would you do that? It's weird. But I think that shows like the amount of like empathy Kurt has. And you can have empathy for somebody that you absolutely hate, that you cannot stand, that the worst people that have ever lived on this earth. You can have empathy for them. Because you're emotional, because you feel things. And I think what makes this song great, this is my AB, by the way. This is just okay. fucking fantastic. Love, love this the song. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. 
I think it's absolutely fantastic, but I, I think it showcases just how how emotional Kurt was, how he was able to empathize with people in ways. And it doesn't mean he agrees with the guy at all. It just means he's trying to put himself in this person's shoes and feel what this person was feeling in a way mm. that just evoked an emotion. It wasn't a good emotion, a bad emotion. It was just evoking an emotion. And I think that was solid. I think Polly does a really, really good job at being this really catchy kind of acoustic song but there's something about it man there's something about it that's weird and even he didn't know the backstory even didn't know what it's about it's just weird it makes you feel yeah. weird especially the blowtorch part that, that yeah part was, that, it's always that part has always been weird to me and then reading about it more this week i i, I thought man dude this song is pretty fucked up yeah pretty fucked up it's, it's fucked up <laughs> but i i i don't think at this time in 91 a lot of people were we're looking at looking at the perspective like he, looking at the perspective like he was of the bad guy of the villain of something this egregious and and terrible you know what this guy did to to this one, this girl and and another girl prior it was just it's despicable it's terrible and, and it doesn't he, mean that he agrees with it like that's no, no, the not biggest takeaway it doesn't mean that because he was putting himself in this per- empathy right because you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes it doesn't mean that he agrees with this in any way because he fucking hates it and nirvana existed to be like the antithesis of of this like they were they were very much feminist they were like the most feminist band that were not like bikini kill or in the riot girl era yeah they were the very much like the most feminist band you could possibly have Kurt was very outspoken about so it all does not up. mean that he agrees with this, but to have empathy for somebody, it's just, see, I don't know if it's empathy. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's empathy. I think it's, just, I think he's just trying to empathy sounds too much like picture. sympathy. And I think uh, maybe I my, 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 my definition of empathy is not quite correct, but I think empathy is literally just putting yourself in somebody else's shoes while sympathy is you feel so bad for somebody because of the actions that they did. So he has yeah, empathy. He can feel what this person is feeling, even though he fucking hates this person. I still think empathy might be the wrong word. I, st- I think he just wants to put something in a dark place and or write a song from a dark perspective. And I think that's all it is. I, I think that's. I don't think it's an it's an empathy thing. But it is from the perspective of this guy. I know it is, but it's meant to be like done in a dark way. And I don't feel because empathy is kind of. I feel dark. like it implies like that you you understand why he why this person did what they did but you can still understand why somebody does the way why somebody does the things that they do and still think they're fucking horrible for doing it oh true i guess but still, again I like hitler like we all understand why he did the things that he did but, he's, but like he's still the fucking worst of all time right he's the yeah. goat possibly the goat <laughs> throw out another word which i don't think that would really apply to dude hitler's like the goat at being the worst <laughs> the goat at being the worst. Yeah. yeah. So the first verse in Polly, I mean, it's, dude, it's Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. I think she wants some water to put out the blowtorch. This is the only song, like I, I mentioned earlier, this is the only song on the album that I read the lyrics and tried to decipher them. This is it. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything to decipher outside of the fact that he, this entire song is pretty much him going through the events of the, the rapist, the torturer. Dude, I, I don't like, think I don't think there's a deeper meaning to it. Other that, than that 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 line, Polly wants a cracker. Like, dude, I uh, treating somebody like an animal, right? Polly, yeah. like you, it's a bird, Sub-human, right? Yeah. 
It's a bird. Yeah. That's what people think Polly. That's what I think Polly is. Do you think Polly like Polly yeah, yeah, want a cracker? That's what I would right? think too. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So like Polly wants a cracker. You're treating this person like a fucking animal. And then thinking the next line, maybe she would like some food in the later verses. And I think she should get off her first. But like, it's just, it's so disgusting. It's so fucking bad, dude. It's so, oh my God. It's so real. It's so raunchy. Yeah. yeah. It, it's so bad. You, like, you, you, you don't want to talk about it because it's so awkward. It's so fucking bizarre. It's so yeah. unreal that somebody could like do these things. And people do do these things and continue to do these things. But we don't we don't hear we don't hear pop songs written around this because it's it's taboo because it's it's horrible. But I mean, ultimately, art is 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 there to make you feel. It's to make you feel something. And if this instance, if putting himself in the shoes of this guy made Kurt feel, therefore he wrote a song to make us feel. That is, he's accomplished his thing. That's art. Yeah. True. True. I don't know. This this song is is uh, this song is weird. I think this is like the biggest outlier on the album because, oh, absolutely, it is it is. I mean, it's the acoustic track, right? Except for the yeah, musically, the sick, lyrically, sick drum performance by Chad. Um, <laughs> the four the four cymbal hits that he does. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just an acoustic track, really. But it's not like an acoustic track as like the closer is. It's an acoustic track that is kind of meant just to be really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I do you want to play any of Polly. I'm, I'm okay not to. That's fine. Okay, let's uh, let's jump into territorial territorial pissings real quick, and then we'll get it. We'll wrap it up with uh, something in the way. Sound good? Sure. We got to do territorial. That's the other punk song. Let's do it. I mean, we don't have to do it. I, I no, just it's wanted good. to mention they do the punk thing really, really well. They've always done it really, really well. It just sounds so effortless when they do it. Yeah, I, it's I like a really band that that started as a punk, like a punk band, and then like transition started as a punk, and then transition to this. And like, yeah, let's do a punk song, and they just jump back into it like they never lost a step. That's what it sounds like. Oh, so man, good. It, it's really ca- that chorus too is really really catchy. Gotta get away. Wait, no, wait. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. territorial pissings. Yeah, and he has a good I, scream too in this one too. Yeah, and the guitar tone. So the guitar tone, from from what I've read over the years. They didn't actually play this through an amp. They plugged this straight like into the monitor, straight into the board. So that's why it has that that crazy crunch guitar tone because it was not played through a proper amp or anything like that. And it was kind of like done like on a first take, and that's just what what we have here. So good, just blow it out. They and that's really what it sounds like. It sounds like it's blown out. <laughs> just turn up as loud as you <sighs> fucking can because the computer can take it. What my favorite, actually, my favorite line on this entire record is on this song, and it's the line, "Just because you're paranoid, paranoid doesn't mean that they're not after you." They're not after you. It's the, it's that that drum roll too back in, and then the pause, the silence, and then back into the chorus. Oh. <laughs> That's such a cool line Dude, too. Just so because you're funny. paranoid, don't mean they're not after you. Oh, it's, I love that. I've always loved that line. It's great. <laughs> and then the, the beginning, you know, it starts out with, with Chris. He was kind of goofing around in the studio. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together right now. And then that super distorted just fucking guitar and bass come in. Oh, man. This is a wild song, front to back. Have you have you yeah. heard that, that, that Youngblood song? That's, that's what it's, it's taken from. Youngblood? It, well, the song, it was taken the from, oh yeah, 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 it was taken from like from the sixties, right? 
the the the, the artist is called the Young Bloods, and the song's called Get Together. I think that's from like their first album, like early or mid to late sixties. But I have the album on vinyls, and I just if you heard the song, I know you've heard the song. Like if you heard the actual Young Blood song, I know probably. you would recognize it. I probably, I probably would. It's so silly, but it's good. I like it. <laughs> but this song is a fucking banger. It is a banger. Um, it's fantastic. You hate it because it's a punk song, but there's only one song on here that I would be okay with, like completely erasing. What is it? It's probably Lounge Act. No, it's Endless Nameless. Oh well, that's a hidden track. Yeah. It's not, and it's not even not on gonna... my vinyls. Yeah, it's not on mine either. And so I'm completely happy with it. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Let let let's wrap it up. Let's move on to, or let's move on to something in the way, and then wrap it up and rate this record. So something in the way, the last song. This is my 12B. I still love this song. This is my 12B too. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's like one of the most important songs on the album. I agree. What, what do you got on it? I did. I, 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 so I, I do like the unplugged one better. Um, I wish this studio one didn't have the cello. I just, I just, I think it's too much. Don't want it. It's a bit cheesy. I, I like the way he says like, yeah, after, after the something in the way part, it sounds like he's just casually responding to a question like, yeah. Like somebody <laughs> asked, he's like, yeah. Like, I love that. <laughs> and then I was like, kind of like reading more into it. And, and it, it was hard for everyone to track this song because Kurt kind of fucked it up always. And mm-hmm. Kurt had this this idea in his mind to have this band behind it. And it just it wasn't working. It sounded like shit. It just it just wasn't working. So he he went with Butch into the uh, the the booth. And he's like, yeah, dude, check this out. He pulled out a 12 string guitar, which like, I guess five of the strings were nylon strings and the other, and they weren't even tuned and the guitar sounded like shit. And he started playing this and as, as Laura would have it, Butch mic'd it up and, and was like, yeah, dude, let's use this one. But because, no. because it was like an acoustic thing, Kurt couldn't keep the tempo properly. So when they had the celloist come in, cellist, celloist, is it celloist cellist. or cellist? Cellist. Or celloist. Is it celloist? <laughs> Celloist. No, it's celloist. <laughs> I think it's celloist. We'll ask uh, Chow Young Fat, I guess, what he thinks about that. What? Right? Isn't Chow Young Fat? Isn't that the guy's name? Chow Young Fat? What does that have to do with the cello? He's like a famous cello, cello, celloist. I thought he was an actor or a martial artist or something. Am I thinking of somebody different? I think you're thinking of somebody different. Yeah. Who's Chow Young Fat? Was he like the. He's, the he's, an, he's like a martial Crash artist guy? actor. Yeah, I think so. Who was the fucking famous celloist? Celloist. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Yo-Yo Ma. That was who it was. Okay, it was Yo-Yo Ma. Close enough. Not really. <laughs> Not at all. One, one's a martial artist. One plays a celloist. But yeah, I I, I, I I was reading that. It was hard for everybody to kind of like track the, the, the song because Kurt can't fucking keep tempo. And the song speeds up and slows down as he's playing the acoustic guitar. So the cello, the, the cello cellist coming in who, you know, is, is a classically trained musician, knows a lot about theory. And that's that's fucking hilarious, is when you bring somebody in who's just DIY, punk ethos, Kurt, with somebody who knows a fuck ton about music, you throw them together, and the guy who knows a fuck ton about music is like, dude, this is hard to fucking write with because so, you're all over the place. So real quick, it wasn't something in the way. Yeah, it was. It was, it was Polly, the, the, the guitar. The guitar you're talking about, the five string guitar, that was Polly. What? No, it was something in the way. Oh wait, no, you're right. Yeah, it was well, something in the way. No, you're kind of right, and 
So Paulie was the same thing. He bought he bought a five string guitar, a Stella guitar, and he used that on Paulie as well. And they, he had a hard time keeping it in tune, so they ended up having to duct tape the tuning pegs, so it would stay in tune while they recorded Paulie. But they did. You're right. They did it. They did the same thing on no, because something in the way was a twelve string guitar. It, it was with, five of the strings were nylon strings, yeah. strings, and it was out of tune. And that's when. Because Kurt wanted to have the full band in something in the way, and it just wasn't working. And so that's why he went into the studio or into the booth with Butch and recorded it. And then they had the band do it later. And even Dave Grohl was like, dude, I can't, like, I can't fucking play the drums to this. He's not keeping tempo properly. I, I don't know what to do. And Butch is like, just do it. This, this is the vocal track we have. It's perfect. Work around it. And that's how great fucking Dave Grohl is. And that's how great that celloist is, Chow Young Fat. You're the worst. <laughs> or Yo-Yo Ma. I don't know. Who knows at this point? Yeah, Something oh, in the Way. Shit. Great song. Something in the Way, yeah. Second. Do you want to play it or do you want to wrap it up? Do you want to? No, what do you we, don't, do? we don't need to play it. You don't, we, don't, we, we don't need to play any of these songs, to be honest. This is one of those yeah, albums. It's, it's our 12B. I mean, every, and everybody's heard this album, too. That's another thing. But um, you should okay, have. So, what? At, at least you should have. Well, yeah, you should have. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, le- like we were talking about, we're not going to talk about Endless Nameless or the other B-sides off this. There are some great, great songs, uh, uh, great B-sides from this record and, and live versions of all of a lot of these songs. But um, let's give our final thoughts on Nevermind. Um, I don't really want to talk about the cover. It's iconic. But then we have to get into the lawsuit. And I just don't care enough about that. Right? No, it's I a don't weird care cover. It's a weird cover in general. And I just don't really want to talk about it um so yeah let's go our final thoughts on the record uh and then rate it based off of our world famous three-point rating system where three is a perfect album two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album but give it a shot and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard so what do you got go this album is just one of those albums that like transcends uh the top tier three out of three category this is this is something that is not just like a perfect album. This is something that like has changed the course of music history. This is something that 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 uh, remember that did you ever see that that uh, fucking SNL skit where th- that Voyager rocket they sent out into space? They put a bunch of music in there and like writings and literature and poems. And 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 uh, Steve Martin was like, oh yeah, we've actually heard back from the aliens and. And in, in, in the in the, the the Voyager thing, they sent a bunch of music. It was like Beethoven and Bach and Chuck Berry and Elvis and all this stuff, like Zeppelin. And they sent off into space in hopes that aliens would listen to it and, and think of something. And Steve Martin was like, oh, yeah, the aliens have sent us back something. Here it is. And then it, like Time Magazine read, send more Chuck Berry. Like that's what the aliens had listened to. I'm like, oh, fuck I'm... yeah, aliens love Chuck Berry. you never seen this skit? I've never even heard of this skit. Oh my god, you're the worst. No. Do you ever watch TV in your life? <laughs> Do you even know what a TV is? <laughs> I only watch Home Improvement. We all know that. Oh god, I know. Look it up. You're the worst. I'll send it to you after the pod. <laughs> but anyway, this is this okay. is like one of those things. Like Chuck Berry's, like Johnny Be Good, dude. Like these things, these songs, these uh, all these pretty songs, just they transcend being better than good. They're 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 not even. They're on a different plane. It, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm on a plane. I, I can't I even compare it to like sport, except for like maybe the, like the '98 Yankees, like some of these these sports things. I I can't I can't compare how great this album is 
to anything else because nothing else is as great as this album is in the music industry. This album is so important to music. Smells Like Teen Spirit is so important to music that uh, it's 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 bigger. It's however big you think it is, it's bigger. It's bigger. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I would do. And, I would agree. And in that same mindset of where of where like our human brains can't quite fathom how much a billion is compared to a million when put into like seconds, like a million seconds is like a month or something like that. But a billion seconds is like 30 years. Like how our brains can't, can't quite process that kind of information. That's so big. That's so vast. That's so huge. Mm-hmm. That's like, never mind, man. Our brains just can't quite process how big this is, how impactful this is to this fucking day. And I, I, I think to give this a perfect rating is, is almost an understatement because this is, this is so important. This is so important. This is more important than it even fucking knows it is. <laughs> but it's also really good. And so like, you get both of those things, and, and I don't know. I'm not even going to rate I'm going to give it no rating. Five, year, five years no ago, rating. you would have you would have just trashed this record. Oh, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely trashed For it. sure. But you've matured. You've matured. You've grown steps. up a bit. And that's what right. I said when doing the vinyl thing. I, I've matured from the beginning stage of the vinyl collecting to now. I've grown. I've yeah. gone from the beginning stages to the end stages. You have stayed in the middle stage, which is fine. If you like the middle stage, that's fine. That's fine. Who cares? Uh, that is so wrong. That is so wrong. That's it's also fine. why you have like 10 Rolling Stones records. Um, well, six, but that's fine. Uh, that's six too many. But, uh, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so this is a beyond what? banger. This is a beyond three. So um, with me, I I agree with you. I mean, this is this is something that did change the music industry, and changed culture in general. I mean, everything changed. Like I was saying, style, fashion, um, movies, TV, everything changed with with the with grunge. Really, I mean, Nirvana was the in the forefront i mean it's hard for me to to kind of just put this into words but they were nirvana should be talked about in the same sentences like the beatles like people love the beatles i I agree because of how they changed music and nirvana's like the same fucking way yeah it's just people don't people don't want to compare anything to the beatles because they feel like they are god tier they feel like nothing could be better than the beatles but nirvana were they they were beatles nirvana yeah, God. they were definitely, they're so fucking important and they aren't talked about enough for that. And it, it sucks because, you know, like Michael Jackson, you know, his music is fine. It's fine pop music, but it wasn't that revolutionary. It's very popular, but it wasn't revolutionary like Nirvana's Nevermind was. Um, and again, you know, not only that, the music is fucking great. It's really, really great music. Like you throw on Thriller, there's a few good songs on there. Overall, it's a decent pop record. You throw on Nevermind, every song fucking hits you hard in different ways. And that's it's something really remarkable. And also, a, a big album like Thriller, that costs hundreds of, thousands of do- hundreds of thousands of dollars to make. This costs, I think, maybe $15,000 or $20,000 to make. Chum so change. it's just... Yeah, it's just nothing in the grand scheme of things. But um, but yeah, no, this this record is truly something special. It changed a lot of how I thought about music and felt about music. And I became so fucking obsessed with Nirvana when I discovered Nevermind. And, um, yeah, dude, this shape, this record shaped everything for, for my music, my musical taste. So, um, 
you can't give this anything lower than a perfect beyond banger it's just stupid every one of their records is a three out of three perfect album i know even even giving this album a three out of three just seems too low it's not fair yeah it's not fair (laughs) it just does feels weird (laughs) yeah definitely even incesticide that's a perfect record too. well well, i don't know about that dude shut the fuck up you know it is you know it's a perfect record. You're there are three, there are three albums plus Unplugged, for sure. Three out of three, if not more. Incesticide? Oh. Oh. Would you give it a 2.9? I give it a 2.9. I give it a 2.9. You're that guy. You're that guy. All right. <laughs> Do we have anything else on, on Nevermind? We're, we're good with grunge mm. season? That's it. Grunge season officially over, baby. I'm excited. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm excited. Thank you all. I honestly am. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we're taking quite a turn into something uh, something pretty different. So um, stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Give us five stars. And that's it. That's all. Crystal Gold. Like I said, the the all of all five of these albums are are interchangeable, and it's totally based off of my mood. And I I had the most fun I <laughs> most fun listening to Incesticide. It's such a fucking week. good <laughs> what? So your mood must have been stupid this week then. <laughs> stupid rankings. <laughs> I heard you click territorial. Okay, territorial territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed? Breed is my four. <laughs> You're such a f- you're pee pee you're pee pee. I don't but know. Hey, Draney's in there, right? Draney's in there. God, you're so predict- predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're you're one dimensional. You're you're a fucking you're a piece of paper instead of like a. Cube. Why though? But why? why? Why are you a piece of paper? Because you're predictable. No. All those songs are very very similar. All those songs are just they're not, basically though. the punk songs of the album. You essentially just chose they're the faster punk songs, songs of the albums. But come on, dude. These it's these melodies. The melodies on this album is what makes this album. And I know we can pretend. I know you can pretend. Like, stay away your favorite and territorial pissings and breed. <laughs> All the punk songs are my favorite. But like, fuck off, dude. You listen to this album. You listen to Nirvana because of Kurt and his melodies. 